Grace and peace be unto you from God our Father. Welcome back to another episode of Who's on the Lord's Side. Today's episode is entitled, well, I'm not sure yet, but it's either the battle of the bloodlines, um, what's in a bloodline, the tale of two cities, Jerusalem versus Babylon, or uh, the battle between darkness and light. <laughs> Either way, you get what I'm basically trying to say. Um, we're going to be talking about or, or, or introducing um, the topic slowly but surely. While I know a lot of you are probably already aware of it because you wouldn't be clicking and listening to me and supporting and, and, and coming on and, 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 and taking on this movement with me if you all didn't believe some of it. And I know that there are people coming in who have um, questions still. They don't know. They're still seeking. And so we always going to have to, even those of us who know what's going on, we always going to have to go back and kind of revisit for them. We can't just be like, oh, because we already know it's on your own. We have got to kind of do um kind of do some of the help and help them to bring them in. Because I myself personally, um, not only was it, of course, the most high in the spirit that led me to the truth, but in time as I was being led, it was people who was already there and who was awoken before me, who I happened to go through and also through them, the most high leading me through them, helped me. So I know how important that process is. So the goal of this episode is to give a brief introduction about the elite bloodlines. You know, now it is the listener's responsibility, especially the listener who is still struggling with the truth to do what they feel is best with this information that will be given. Again, it's just an introduction, but this subject is one that's so broad, right, that we will be revisiting it um, time and time again. I mean, it's so vast. It spreads across thousands of years, you know, many generations and centuries, you know, and it's just impossible to tackle every single thing in one episode. So <clears throat> Shakespeare once said, all the world is a stage, and all the men and women are merely players. Okay. Most people, including ourselves, live in a world of relative ignorance. Some of us can admit that at a, at a time, and there are some of us today still, that have grown to, to, to become comfortable in that ignorance because, let's face it, it's all that we know or it's all that they know. Now, when we first start facing the truth, you know, the process may be frightening and many people will begin to run back to their old lives. It's very much like the Matrix when Neo woke up and, and they told him, take this well, that he picked the pill. And then um, after he woke up to the truth, they said, look, you know, you want to go back to your little safe little, you know, world? Because guess what? The Matrix wasn't that pretty, was it? It wasn't that comfortable. I mean, look at this, the, uh, the, the ship they were on and everything. Everything was hard and metally and it wasn't really as fun or entertaining and, 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 and comforting as the uh, world of ignorance that Neo once knew. But if you continue, if you don't run back to the old life, if you continue to seek the truth, you will eventually be able to handle it better. Now, I am proof of this because I can honestly say when I started to wake up to the truths, I think the first truth I honestly woke up to was the truth of this world that there was, I wouldn't say, uh, I would guess, I, I, I don't like the term conspiracy. Well, conspiracy means that it's going on, right? So it, it's, it, I mean, 
by definition, you could say that somebody was conspiring, that um, they say there's drug tra trafficking conspiracies and all that, but at the end of the day, once you get convicted of the crime, nine out of 10, it really wasn't a conspiracy so much as you didn't only just conspire, you actually acted it out, right? So when I started to find out the truth, it was more or less on the darker side. I believed in God, but I also could see, even though I believed in God, that there was a lot of truth or, or some kind of pattern that was going on. And I remember my friends and I were waking up or starting to wake up as early as 2000, I want to say 2001, 2000, 2002. Now, we grew up with this, a, um, a rap group, and I remember Prodigy, who was a member of the rap group we used to listen to, I don't listen to them anymore, but Prodigy came out and started on MySpace, letting people know about the RFID chips and all this and that. And there were other people who were in the industry before who came out, and even KRS-One would speak from time to time. Everybody knows Professor Griff, um, it would, it would speak out, but you know, some of these people are agents and some of these people are real, but I just started to realize like, wow, something's going on. Something's going on in the entertainment industry. Something is going on on top and um, the political levels. And there's definitely something going on behind the scene. And whatever it is that's going on behind these three, um, I guess you could say these three doors, you know, with the leaders, entertainment industry, and um, this the world period, all has to do with, the, with the, they all have one thing in common. It seems that it's just an attack on mankind. Now, at first, I wouldn't say I started to panic, but there's anger. And then there's kind of like, a, oh, my gosh, like, how could they do that? You know, and then also at some point as you go on, like I said, if you continue to seek the truth, you'll be able to handle it better because I started to realize. So that's why. You know, so you start to understand, well, this why this is like this and this why that's like that. Because I feel like as long as I've been living in this world, even being a child, I felt extremely oppressed. I mean, I remember as a child just feeling like something just really wasn't right here. Okay. So like I said, you'll be able to handle it better. And in fact, you'll start to become um, addicted, right? Those of us who are on this on the search and a, and a journey, we find ourselves addicted and wanting more. You may even find that now many people around you may think that you're weird, crazy, and hell, a danger to society because the truth and the, and the thing that you're trying to say now, it's very, 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 very um, unorthodox. It goes very much against the grain of what society has been programmed to believe. Now, an unknown author, an unknown, or unknown source or, or quote came out that said, um, all truth passes through three stages, right? First, it is ridiculed, right? Second, it is violently oppressed. And in third, if it is accepted, it is accepted as self-evident, okay? So, but it's three stages. It's ridiculed, it's violently opposed, and third, it is accepted as self-evident, right? If we think even about the ultimate truth of the world, what is the ultimate truth? The only truth, the only truth that there is, is the word of God, okay? The Logos, Yeshua, Mashiach, some refer to him as Jesus Christ, God. That is the only truth. I mean, when I say a constant truth, as a matter of fact, they say uh, like things like math prove God, infinity, because some people say, well, well, there's math, and, and, and then they'll say, well, there's the electricity, all of this is God, you know, infinity, you are the straight line in math that goes on and 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 on and, on and it never stops. You know, that proves God. The fact that math always have to have a truth and it always comes down, that is God. Okay, but the only truth in this world, in this realm, in these universes is God. 
So when Yeshua came, what happened? When he came and he spoke the truth, what was the first thing that happened? He went through the, th the, three, trains, the three stages, right? It was ridiculed. It was definitely violently opposed, right? And then third and lastly, eventually it was accepted as uh, to be self-evidently uh, true. Okay. Now, John Steinbeck once said, an unbelievable truth can hurt a man much more than a lie. It takes great courage to back truth unacceptable to our times. Did you hear that? It takes great courage to back up truth that is considered unacceptable in our times. There's a punishment for it, and it's usually crucifixion. This is what John Steinbeck said. These are quotes simply on truth, okay? And if you want to talk about the ultimate truth, like I said, it still fits Yeshua. The unbelievable truth can hurt a man more than a lie. Didn't the ultimate truth hurt him? I mean, either way, it was for the, for, for the cause of good, for the good of mankind. You know, it was, it was, it was um, ordained, written, so that was okay. But, you know, it takes a great deal of courage to back the truth in unacceptable times. What happened to Peter? He was running with Jesus for a while, right? But then when the hour was at hand and he said, you will deny me thrice, three times you're going to deny me. And he said, no, before the cock crow and all that, right? And what happened? He didn't have the great courage that it took to back up the unacceptable truth at that time. He denied him three times. Are you not the one? No, isn't that? Wasn't me. It ain't not me. Three times, right? And then there's a punishment for the ultimate truth, and it's usually a crucifixion. Messiah went through that, but us as believers also are going through that to this day as well. This is why the Messiah said, listen, know that if the world hateth you, if it hated me, it's going to hate you as well. It hated me first. Are we not preaching the same thing or trying to send the same message forth that all the prophets and Messiah have done since that time? Why would they like us for the message that we are trying to bring? Why would it be accepted? If, if it, they didn't accept him when he did it and he was doing signs of wonder, why would they accept us at our humanly word? Okay. John Spencer Johnson just once said, integrity is telling myself the truth. Okay, integrity is telling myself the truth. I respect myself enough to want to know the truth. And honesty is telling the truth to other people. What is the ultimate truth? The word of God. The word of God is not just about how to live your life on this earth, but also very clear about what's going on in our times and end times, especially concerning this new world order that is approaching, whether you want to believe it or not. There's nothing we can do to stop it. It's not for us to stop it. It has to happen. It says it must come to pass and not to worry, okay? Because if not, if the Antichrist do not come and manifest itself, how can Yeshua come back? Yeshua ain't coming back just to collect people. He got to come back and squash a kingdom, okay? That's what people don't seem to understand. So if you understand what kingdom this is that we're in, then you can understand half of the uh, reasons for the chaos that's going on in this world. And this is the last quote that I wanted to um, bring up and use concerning truth from Fonz. Kafta. About truth, he says, don't bend. Don't water it down. Don't try to make it logical. Logical. Don't edit your own soul according to the fashion. Rather, follow your most intense obsessions mercilessly. And this is on this is a journey that I, I decided and many of you have decided to take on a long time ago. We said, yes, Lord, yes. 
<laughs> okay? That's what we said. We made up our minds a very long time ago. Do we struggle? Yes. You know, I told you there's times where I've stepped, I stepped off the path in the world, but, more, but when I look at the world today, it's like you have to come back. And not only that, it's almost as if, it's like I, I once heard a pastor say in a church, and I'm sorry for the intro, but it's necessary. You can't just jump in because people, you know, people are not, they're not eating it. They're not taking it. It's too strong sometimes. You got to, you got to kind of lead them by the hand. But I once heard the pastor say it, you know, but uh, he said, you know, I don't know. He's like, I hear preachers and I hear them talking because, you know, everybody, there's preachers in their pulpits. There's a lot of devils in these pulpits. I didn't say your pastor was. If you have one, I said, there's a lot of them out there. You got to test the spirit by the spirit. But when I was going to that church that I came out of that, I'm not going to lie, I did plan to see that's coming out now. He said, uh, people are saying they're called, they're chosen. I hear a lot of leaders, church leaders saying that they were called and chosen. But if you listen to their story and their called and chosen story, they woke up one day. No, literally, they from the time they was young, they might have said, I want to be, I want to be. It was a, there was a reality show called God of the Girl. But the point is, I want to be a pastor. I want to be a minister. So. And not saying that you wasn't called. You might just had a desire, a love in your heart. But the truth of the matter is most people who are called uh, to do the work, to do the assignment, who are called, chosen, and set apart, a lot of us are running. The initial, when the call come on you, you was running. Okay, half the time your life ain't even right. Hello, somebody. Half the time you're like, you, you like Moses. How can I? Me, no. Mm-mm. I can't be used for this. I don't know that I even want to be used for this. And sometimes, you, you know, in, in that attitude, the devil will take you here and take you there. But then there's come, God will come and get you. It's like that lost sheep and he'll bring you back around. He'll be like, hello, hello, did I not tell you? Did I, did I not say it to you? And you got to get kind of like back up uh, in the word. You know, you got to get there. So when it's chosen, it's, called, it's like a Jonah. You know how Jonah, he said, go you unto Nineveh. And he was like, oh, man, I ain't going, I ain't going to Nineveh. We're going to go on this ship and we're going to go in this direction. And what, what happened to him? He landed in the belly of the whale three days, three nights. As soon as he came up, he went to Nineveh. It said, it said he got right out to the, right into the gates of the city after that long journey and being in the well. He said, listen, you ain't got but so, so time to get it together. Otherwise, Lord is going to tear it down. He turned on his heels and he went. <laughs> but the point is, when there's a calling, it's not usually all the time that people automatically say, yes. Because I knew from birth that I was, no, not at the time you minding your business and then something just comes along. All right. So, you know, you, this is um, where we are today. So back to Kafta. Don't, don't bend. Don't water down the truth. Don't try to make it logical. Don't edit your own soul according to the fashion. Rather, follow your most intense obsessions mercilessly. So now going back to um, Shakespeare, all the world is a stage and all the men and women are merely players. Okay. This goes back to, um, to me, I think of Plato and I think of the allegory of the cave, Plato's allegory of the cave, which I have a copy of. Now, this is from Plato, book seven of the Republic. This all ties into what I'm saying. Like I said, you gotta, this is an intro, <laughs> the allegory of the cave. So um, when you read it, when I was in college and I read this, and I can tell you now that I'm awake. I can literally think back on my life and think about just about different people, including professors in college, that tried to drop subtly clues on our laps. And this professor who gave this to us, because I remember philosophy was one of the ones that really stood out to me, which is a philosophy class. But this is one that he specifically wanted us to read and know about. It stood out to me so much as 
truth or something that was relatable and I still hadn't come to the truth of this world, that I kept it. I still have the version. Okay, it says it was um, that I got in college. But you can print it out or you can Google it and print, and print, print out the PDF version. Now, I'm not going to read the allegory of the cave because I actually have to get to um, other things. But I did want to talk about like the summary of it. Some of you have heard of it, if you know Plato, and some of you um, probably just hearing about it for the first time. So the allegory of the cave and its meaning, right? It was a theory pretty much put forward by Plato concerning human perception, how the human being perceives his surroundings and his world. Okay, Plato claimed that knowledge gained through the senses, right? is no more than opinion, and that in order to have real knowledge, one must gain it through what he called philosophical reasoning, and thence becomes the, the uh, dialogue with him and a man named Glaucon, and he just poses him a series of questions, which is logical and reasoning about these people in a cave. So, the cave. He starts off asking us to imagine a cave in which there are three prisoners, but really it's not three, it's really like um, a bunch of prisoners, it's many prisoners. Now, the prisoners are tied to some rocks. Their arms and legs are bound and their head is tied or, or fastened in a way so that they can't look at anything but, um, of, but of what's in front of them, like a stone wall. So imagine people lined up, whether it's sitting next to each other in rows, okay? They're bound tied to rocks, arms and legs bound as well, and their head bound or, or fixatedly locked in a way so they can't look to the right, they can't look to the left, they can't look behind them, but only straight ahead. Right. Now, according to Plato, the prisoners have been there since birth and have never seen the outside of the cave. Okay, so, so what would that mean? That would mean that this is the only world that they have ever known. It's sad to say that they might have even been chained here since birth or since they could understand what it was to be uh, conscious or um, what they say, I know, I know, I, I think, therefore I am, you know, before you get to that part of your life. And so this is all that they know of the world. Okay. Now behind these cave prisoners, behind them, where they can't see, is a fire burning. And then there's supposed to be like a raised walkway that they can't see. And... People who are outside the cave are walking along this raised walkway, carrying things on their head, like animals, plants, woods, and stones, right? So, like I said, they're looking in front of them. There's some kind of fire, which is the only light that they have, but they can't see the fire, so they don't know the source of the light. Looking in front of them, I'm sure the fire is casting some kind of a glow on this wall. And then there's a raised archway behind them where people outside are walking um, through the raised walkway in front of the fire with plants, animals, statues, and things. And so what this ends up doing is the people walking through with the objects, they're now casting shadows onto the wall. And if his theory basically says if you have never, or if these people have never seen the real objects before and only the shadows of them, meaning like same way you never knew about the outside world, you only know this to be your real life and you can't turn around to see anything. So the only thing you see is the shadows. You can't really see that what's going on is kind of like a, a, um, a projection kind of thing of something 
that's not real. That's casting something on a screen that your perception is picking up as real. You know what I mean? So Plato suggests that the prisoners would begin to play a guessing game of which shadow would appear next. So now, based on these shadows, they would start to have to rationalize and form their understanding of their world on it. And maybe even start to create patterns like which one would be next based on what they see. He also says that if the prisoners were to correctly guess, maybe, maybe saying, oh, okay, based on what we've seen so far with these shadows, I predict the next shadow would be this. Then the other ones would praise him as clever, saying that he was a master of nature, which is just retarded because he's really, it's just being, it's just a, like, it's like a loop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The, the people behind are really just creating a loop. This, I'm saying all this for a reason. So now eventually he gets back to what's called the escape. So he says, like, what if one of the prisoners manages to escape from their bindings and leave the cave? You know, when he does leave the cave, Plato says that he would become shocked at the world that he discovers outside the cave and would not um, believe at first that that world is actually real, even though he has seen it and, ex and experienced it with his same perception that he was born with, because more or less for most of his life, he was in a cave. Okay, so what, 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 what would he, he still would be trusting the cave technically, as opposed to this new world. And then they say, though, as he goes along, he will become used to his new view and new used to his surroundings, which um, would then make him notice that his previous view of reality was wrong. Is this sounding, is this sounding like Plato was trying to tell us something? It's a lot of people was trying to tell us something. So now this person who's starting to realize that their, this reality is the real reality and the older reality was the fake reality, the cave was a fake reality, they begin to understand that the new world and, 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 the, and the sun, which is a source of life because they were under the ground, now they're up. <clears throat> and they'll start to go on, uh, on this new intellectual journey. For some reason, they'll start to reach above higher and leave the original thinkings that they originally have. And they'll see that their former life and the guessing game they used to play before is useless because this is now the new truth. Now, the most best part, this is going to conclude the allegory of the cave, and then I'm going to take a break, is he talks about when the prisoner returns. Because remember, there's only one prisoner that returned or left. So he sees the truth, and now he's returning. But when the prisoner returns to the cave to inform the other prisoners, like us, like me right now, this is the reason I'm taking my time <laughs> with this introduction because... The message is, is imperative. Like, it's really important. It's like life-saving information. It's something that everybody should know. But when the prisoner returns to the cave to inform others um, of his findings, they don't believe him, and they threaten to kill him if he tries to set them free. Does this sound familiar? Okay, even the Messiah, the ultimate truth. If you think about the one truth, does not all these things apply to him? Now, I'm not saying he was trapped in a world and he could not see. But when he came back into the world after, after you know, end the light and coming in and tried to tell people of the truth, did they not hate him and want to kill him? When we come and we start talking the truth, wouldn't, isn't it easier for them to dismiss us as crazy and as liars? Do you know they swallow up a lot of other theories and beliefs and stuff quicker than they do the truth? It's the most frustrating thing. But, you know, you got to keep on going. So when I come back, um, I'm going to talk about um, what the Bible has to say about truth. Okay. Um, I want to talk about the bloodlines.
the two bloodlines and a lot of other stuff but um i will come back after the break and we will discuss see you in a little bit who's on the lord's side okay we're back from break now when we last left off i was talking about the truth of this world the truth period how people some people can accept it and some can't and when we're talking about this discussion how what we are ultimately revealing and discussing is the ultimate truth uh, what we're doing or trying to show people is something that I learned um, later, which I did mention that I was a believer in God. I did not come to the knowledge of the word or how to read the word or the Lord did not reveal that to me as of yet. But I did start to notice what, that there were many changes going on in this world. And I started to notice that there was um, um, a truth to what was being revealed, you know, over the years on YouTube. I told you YouTube used to be way better than it is today. And so as I started to struggle with this truth, it's kind of what I did with Santa and Yeshua. I wanted to know how does this fit in with God? Because some people were selling the New World Order without a solution. <laughs> Let's be honest, because they were, um, I guess you could say what you call half awake or half sleep. There's no, you know, there's no, no such thing as half awake, it's half sleep. Or maybe they were atheists, so they understood that something was going on in the world, but they couldn't tie in anything as far as a solution. So they would spin it a lot like there's a reptilian race or, you know, there's an there's alien race, all this stuff. And it just kind of made it seem as if your world is not what you think it is, which is what they, which, which is the truth. But then at the same time, it kind of made it seem as if there's no hope. <laughs> it's just like um, we're just cattle, you know, that's just controlled and, and oppressed and, and that these people are there. And it was real to me that these people were there, but I couldn't understand, like, if there's God in heaven, you know, if there's a God that exists, which I know that is real and lives, how, could, how does this play out? So then when I started to realize that Bible and this new revelation of the truth of this world plus the Bible, it, it, it's kind of like they both of them go hand in hand. In my opinion, it's absolutely impossible to achieve or get to the ultimate truth of this world without tying in scripture. OK, which is not a fictional book. It is an accurate book. It's a real book with real people that live. It's, it's a real history book and in a book of instructions. It's literally the only thing we have. You know, to let us know what's going on in this world today. The only truth. And then you have um, the evil that is on the dark side that we're talking about today, you know. But um, before I, or I'm trying to see what. So now if you're talking to people about the conspiracy, right. Or, um, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm a truth seeker and a lover of truth, you know. But one of the number one questions that is asked often from naysayers, non-believers, or people who might just be wanting more information when they hear us talk about this thing, about these people on top and all that, and is um, they want to know if there's, even if there is a conspiracy or if there is a conspiracy afoot, you know, who, exactly who are these conspirators? You know, who are these individuals controlling the things behind the scene? Who, who would these people be? And this is the reason for this um, topic of discussion. Now, if you want to talk about the who's, 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 you could go, you could put a lot of fingers anywhere, but you have to understand the source of it all is Satan. The source of it all is Satan. See, because when you, when, when I was looking at it before, because that's why I said some people, I don't want to say they're just agents, but they're just agents. And you got some people that is really talking the truth. In my opinion, if they're not selling it, not selling it, but they're not talking it to you with scripture and the truth of this world, something's wrong. The person don't have the whole the whole picture. So take what you can from it that you feel you can apply, but you can't take the whole thing because they're probably still on their journey. It's not their fault. Some people might not even be agents. They probably just still on their journey and just still have not accepted Yeshua yet, you know, or, or, the, or the word of God. 
Okay. Now, when it comes to who's behind the scenes, though, the truth doesn't always tickle the ear of the listeners. Like I mentioned in the previous segment, and the light of this truth will sometimes be um, a little too bright for some who will want to return to the comfort of their dark world, a.k.a. the, the Plato cave. Right. So I wanted to now go to scripture and go to Ephesians 6 and 10. Ephesians 6 and 10. And I could have sworn I'm not going to say anything. Ephesians 6 and 10. I found it. Okay, so that reads... We're talking about, in, um, we're doing 10 through 17. We're talking about here the whole armor of God. So it says, um, finally, my brethren, this is um, Paul, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. No. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Okay. It goes on to say in verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay. And your feet shod the preparation of the God flows peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, because they are shooting at us every day, more and more so now these days than any day before this day. And it says 17, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. And I do not ever want to let it go from this point forward. Now, I'd like to say, I want to say that I believe this is our 30th episode. I'm just a little sidetracked. And I'm just like so thankful to the most high God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because while this was something that I wanted to do, it did seem so um, challenging, but in a good way, right? But then at the same time, impossible, right? But then even in the words impossible you have the word word the two words i'm possible right and of course i can do nothing without god so i just want to give him all the glory because it's only a little over a month and um it seems as if there's a new fire that has reburned inside of me as i told you all before there are times that i've strayed or whatever and come back but now i'm back and now um this is a journey that i want to take on with other people who are like-minded as myself or equally yoked as myself when it comes to the spirit and the word of God and the truth, because um, people in my circle, there's no one. Okay, I had a friend who, I had a few friends who, but now I realize they're half sleep. Um, they don't want to. They will not sit down with me and discuss. You know, I will try to bring. I bring. They know who I am. They know what I believe in. They know I'm going to bring up stuff every now and again in discussion. But now it's to the point that I don't even put so much on them anymore. I kind of respect the fact that they are spiritually blind you know what I mean like they believe on God but at the same time like um they are not they're not 
fully awakened yet. So again, when we look at Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, I just wanted to really note or zoom in on um, verse 12, which says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the, but against principalities. Now, when you're talking about principalities, that's demons. Okay. It's just, um, that's what they are. You're talking about principalities. You you know, you could be talking about anything from sorcery, um, people who use formulas, incantations, magic, people who interrogate with the dead. Um, there's non-medical uses of drugs, which is the the word for magic in Greek was uh, pharmakia, which is which, where they got the term pharmaceutical, witchcraft, astrology. It really doesn't matter because when you're talking about these things and you're tapping into those forces, you're talking to principalities. Okay, so what is attacking us? What is 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 um, oppressing us is not necessarily the flesh and the blood so much as is these principalities. Okay, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world. And then there's spiritual wickedness in high places. Spiritual wickedness in high places is not talking about spirit, um, spirit, spirits and demons anymore so much as it's talking about in your government, in your positions of power, in the kingdoms of the world. Okay, because there is not one godly nation standing thus far. I don't care what country you're in, which I only think this is only um, broadcast in the United States anyway. But it is 2018. They have been going at this since the garden. And we're going to talk about the garden and what happened in the garden. And the same way you could look through the Bible and see for thousands of years on our side, they've been building up, doing what they're supposed to do to get to the Messiah, which who came once and fulfilled half of it. But now you got to come back to fulfill all of the prophecy. It's the same way on the other side. They have building up things um, themselves. Okay. And so... We have to understand who the enemy is. So when it goes back to who's a conspirator, I'm talking about if you want to talk about the author of it all or the chief master of it, it is the devil himself, the serpent of old, okay? The dragon, the beast. Now, what's in a bloodline? That was what I was thinking in my call in this episode. What's in a blood? What is in a bloodline? Why is the bloodline so important? Why would the why would everybody, who is the bloodlines Illuminati? I'll be very clear too. Let me just get this out of somebody's head if they're new and they're, the Illuminati is not the music industry. The Illuminati is not um, the presidents of the United States or those people. They actually, they're not anybody that you could see on TV. <laughs> anybody that you could name on TV and you know by face is not a member of the Illuminati. Right? Well, we're talking about that, and I'm going to get into that. We're talking about a bloodline. Okay, we're talking about 13 families in, in that uh are the top of elite bloodlines around the world. There are other powerful families, but they chosen 13 to represent amongst themselves to be the ones that are on top. So when you talk about the Illuminati, you talk about a bloodline. It ain't all celebrities is uh, related. Some of these people have done, have simply sold um, their soul for riches and fame in order to be used as a pawn by the devil, you know, to come in and mislead the, uh, the people. If you don't believe that, especially like Americans, you know, they don't believe, but they, people, a lot of people worship celebrities like they're, uh, what they call, what they call celebrity, a star, right? And a star is another term for what, a fallen angel, right? But they call them stars. And then, you know, we all know, I don't know if the show's still on. I watch TV, but not that much like I used to, but American Idol, American Idol, like it's right there in the title, American Idol. You're picking your next idol for your country that you want to worship. You know what I'm saying? It says it right there. It doesn't say America, it could say American star, but even the star has one symbolism only. Five-pointed star has one symbolism. It's the same. And then upside down or inverted, it is the, you can see the horn uh, goat for Baphomet, which also Baphomet, if you all look closely, if you take a picture of him, 
it's not only just um, the goat head going up with the horns, and then you have the male uh, or, or, the, or the human torso. But you know, if you notice and you look at pictures of him, he got breasts. Baphomet got breasts. Ba Baphomet is um, transgender, you know? And Baphomet also re represents the, uh, the demon god Pan, which is where you get the term pansexuality. And then you got things like Peter Pan, which is supposed to be a lost boy. But if you look at the original book of Peter Pan, which I'll discuss one day, um, the author was a, was a, was a pedophile. Okay, and it was um, and it, and he was in love with a little boys or some little boys that was a friends of his in a family or something, and he uh, it was known like he was just a sick man, and he actually modeled uh, I think Peter or the name Peter after a little boy that he touched, and then also Peter was around all these other little boys and 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 the lost boys. It was very dark, and then Disney of course, which is very satanic. You know, if you don't know by now, Disney is extremely satanic. Disney World period is uh, is not what you think it is. Okay, that's like where they a lot of underground places like where they do a lot of their uh, programming and their mind control. And don't think mind control is not real because they use it in um they use it in the military as strategies like that to get people under control. It's all about control, you know. And psyche, if you get somebody in their psyche with um, even when you see the movie Get Out, that's a form of witchcraft. It's trying to show you in the movie Get Out that the woman with a teacup and a spoon and a couple ting ting tinks. Maybe she has some sugar cubes in there. And I don't think the sugar cubes had anything to do with the magic. But you understand what I'm saying? Like, it's trying to, that movie's trying to let you know even things like hypnosis is a form of dark magic. You know, that's running around out here. But, again, we wrestle not um, with principality. So when we talk about a bloodline, I just want to say that uh, scripture in many ways can be used as a tale of two cities. Like I mentioned before, long before Charles Dickens even wrote about London and Paris, you can clearly see like the authors of the Bible, the authors of scripture wrote about a spiritual rivalry between the cities of Jerusalem and Babylon. Okay. And that spiritual rivalry has been going on. If you look at the book, it goes all the way from Genesis to um, Revelation. We're talking about Babylon or mystery Babylon, which is also connected to the elite. So just to just give an idea of how the Most High feels about um, Babylon or just to show you just how Babylon goes all the way up to Revelation. I'm going to go to Revelation 17.3.2.6 right now. Revelation 3.2.6. It says, The Doom of Babylon Predicted. So it says, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And this is John of Patmos, uh, exiled on Patmos having a vision. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Verse 5, And upon her forehead was the name written, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots, the abominations of the earth. And it says six, and I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Yeshua. And when I saw her, I wondered with great um, 
It says, it says, I wondered with great admiration. Okay. Now. This is Babylon being mentioned in Revelation who has deceived the whole earth. Now, Babylon can be, I'll tell you right now, Babylon is a couple places. Babylon is the United States of America. Babylon is Europe. And of course, in Europe, you have Rome. You know what I'm saying? But you got those two because you really should understand that what we're going to talk about with these bloodlines, you're going to understand that the United States is really just an extension of um, the Queen Mother and the, the uh, Windsors over there, or, or a lot of the English royals. Even though they claim they came over here to be set free, the very first um, president of this country was a Freemason. Okay, and that was George Washington. They even have statues of him depicted, depicting him posing as Baphomet with one hand, the right hand up high, left hand low, which would uh, reference as above, so below. And then, of course, his chest out and then, you know, to represent the half of it. And then his, his uh, lower half is covered to, to, to give the appearance of goat legs. OK, why would they be doing this? If it, who would do this now? Let's see. What's in a bloodline? The tale of two cities. It's, I, mean, like, I think that's what I'm going to call it, but I'm not sure yet. OK. Now, if you don't believe me about bloodlines, I'm just going to pull up because some people, they just think you're talking off the top of your head. Yeah, maybe just the stuff I said just now, but it could be backed up and proven. So I'm going to pull up an article about the U.S. presidents descending from King John of England. OK, and or, or, or and, and some other kings. And then I'm going to use the book that I have, the bloodlines of the Illuminati, which if you don't own it, you should get it. But there's other books that you can get as well. Not just this. This was the first one that I had. I'm just you know, using this today to use to do the intro. And there's other books out there that I'll be invested in as well and reading and we'll let you know about over time. But this article about the U.S. presidents, I'm just saying as far as if somebody's just saying like, oh, well, that's BS. Well, not really, because people have written about this um, time and time again. So let's see. Oh, and then, oh, the, uh, you know what? I won't even mention that just yet. I think I misplaced it, but I do have it saved here. I was trying to go to my history to find it. Oh, here it goes. Um, no. Oh, U.S. presidents. Here we go. U.S. presidents. Thank you all for being so patient with me. And this is and it says abroadintheyard.com. This is where I'm getting um this article. But it says the U.S. presidents who descended from King John of England and why you probably do too. Which I just don't. I maybe who knows? I don't you know. We're all mixed in. Who knows? So, um, the Daily Mail and New York Daily News, okay, had wrote something before this about this very thing. Actually, many people have touched on it. E-news, on and off, you'll hear them every now and again say it. And I find it funny, if you, if you're, if you have been um, awake now for some time, you'll notice in the past two elections, they'll bring it up. Like, they brought it up in the um, election of 08 with Obama and McCain talking about him and Cheney, and it was like they were joking about it, but it was true. <laughs> you understand? So we're going to talk about this. Now, King John, they said, who ruled from 1199 to 1216 AD, was um, not 
particularly an impressive figure in English history. All right, but this is where he came down. So when you boast about royal blood, or when people boast about royal blood, it's not necessarily about being born with a silver spoon in your mouth. So here it starts by saying that some U.S. presidents, such as Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton, had famously humble backgrounds. Okay, Andrew Millard from the University of Durham calculated the probability that anyone with Anglo-Saxon ancestry descends from King Edward III. Okay. Now, they have genealogists that came out and um, actually started to put these two things together. Now, in Bloodlines of the Illuminati, before I continue that, Uh, it's very, very detailed. I mean, they, they have, because they have genealogists. This is what they do, and historians, and, and this is what they do. So now, the author, Fritz Springmeier, will first tell you about William Wallace, who was in um, Braveheart. If you remember Braveheart, and you remember Mel Gibson's role in it, where he played um, William Wallace. So William Wallace was portrayed in the movie Braveheart, right? And the evil king that he fought against was Edward I, or Longshanks, who was from the house of um, Plantagenet. Now, 12 American presidents alone are descendants or direct descendants from Edward Longshanks. Not, not uh, uh, William Wallace, Mel Gibson's character, but Longshanks was the guy that was on top, right? And then they have a list here of Edward I, Longshanks' descendants who became U.S. presidents. Washington, who was the first president of the United States. Madison, both Harrisons, Taylor, Cleveland, both Roosevelt's, Coolidge, Fourth, and both Bushes, Right? And it also says that six U.S. presidents are directly descended from French kings like um, Benjamin, Harrison, Taft, Hayes, Coolidge, FDR, and Ford. Okay. Then um, Henry Ford. Now, not only do they do like it that way, but Obama now I wanted to talk about because to me that was like the biggest slap in the face. <laughs> The biggest slap in the face was the, us being swindled, especially black people, but as, you know, the world over. That was scary. If you want to talk about, like, somebody who, had, who could have had the potential to maybe sway the world to become a world leader like the Antichrist, it could have been, but it's not him. But you have an idea just how cunning he's going to be when he comes, and he do have to be a world leader. But we all really believe that a, a black man who came from humble roots, who um, really... Pulled himself up by the bootstraps and had no help and no assistance by anybody at all. Beat the odds, made history, and became the first black president of the United States. Only to find out later. When I'm telling you, when I found that out, I was I felt so betrayed. I because I because they had me. How many people was in tears that night? You know when they when they found out that he won. Only to find out that um Obama. Obama is um, family, you guys. Obama is related to a lot of presidents. It's a bloodline thing. You cannot sit up there and be commander-in-chief of this country or a lot of other places right now, 2018, if any leader's sitting anywhere, if it's in a position of power in a Congress or a parliament, you have to understand by this time they have infiltrated every powerful seat. This is Satan's kingdom. All right. I wish that people would understand when you're talking about somebody having a kingdom or hierarchy like God, um, or the devil want to be like God, but just like God have an hierarchy of angels, he have archangels that they say actually archangels is, is a little different than angel because angels are messenger. Archangels is above and they are they are given actual names. That's when you have Gabriel and Uriel and a, and a few of them that we know by name that's mentioned in scripture, Raphael and such. Right. 
Then on top of them, you have cherubim and, and, and them seraphims. And those are the ones that are supposed to actually have some kind of a feathered wing, so to speak. Because the other ones are supposed to be looking like us in near human form, right? And then around the throne, he has a host of arms. So you got to understand, when you're, when you're doing the kingdom, or even in the Egyptian dynasty or something, you know, you got Pharaoh, you got this, you got that. It's the same thing in the United States government. You got the president, he has a cabinet, there's a congress. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's, there's levels to it. And so when you're talking about Satan setting up his kingdom on earth, how can he control the whole world unless he have somehow managed to infiltrate his people that are of one mind? Because the scripture says that the devil is not divided against himself, that, 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 that if Satan's kingdom was divided, it would not stand as well and so perfect as it's standing today. OK, because we uh, are out here, you know, those of us who are on the Lord's side, we're still on the front lines. But at the same time, that other side is so united in the mission, you know, that, that they are not divided at all. Meanwhile, they managed to divide us that we can't even get together to do anything. OK, but, um, you know, this this is um, what they do. So let me see. I'm going to take a quick break and I'm going to come back with more information um, on the bloodlines of the Illuminati and going back to the Bible, especially Genesis um, with the revel, with the prophecy that said that Satan would have a seed. So this is another reason why we're looking at the bloodlines on top and we're talking about bloodlines. Hmm. If Satan have to have a seed, that means they're out here somewhere, right? See you in a little bit. Okay, we're back. All right, so let's just get straight into the Illuminati now. What people are dying to know or discuss or revisit. Now, the Illuminati themselves, as I mentioned before, have um, decided to elevate amongst all the families 13 bloodlines. Now, the number 13 is extremely important in dark magic and 13 or the number 13 um in the occult actually mocks the 12 tribes of israel because remember the 12 tribe or one of the 12 tribes which was joseph ended up being split into two into ephraim and manasseh that happened at, at, towards the end of genesis remember everything that satan does is to mimic or copy god but it's always like the worst form of version, but it's all, everything he does is to Im imitate God. So the fact that people kind of like laugh or dismiss this, this antichrist thing, cause like, like I said, the best thing, and I, I know you shouldn't give him, but you gotta give credit what's due, that he has done has made people, the last thing y'all are really doing is worrying about what he's doing and what his plan is, it's cause it's laughable. You know what I mean? To even when people run around and be like, oh, the devil's on my back or demons, are you like a demon? Or you, be you just sound like a Jesus freak. Nobody takes that seriously unless they're just as discerned and spiritually woke and conscious as you are. If not, other than that, you're just talking about little Martian aliens that don't exist. That's how good he is. He got you debating God, blaspheming God, some people, and worrying about him more than there's other. You know, but I wish everybody could understand that the world we live in is a world of duality. You have hot, you got cold, you got wet, you got dry. You know what I'm saying? You have um, healthy, you got diseased. Do you understand what I'm saying? You got you, you got raw and you got baked. The whole thing is like you, you all of these is coming from somewhere. You know what I'm saying? You got a and, and the yin yang is very um re representative of that of that world, and also what the Illuminati believe. But anyway, does it mean that the thirteen or the, only these thirteen um, bloodlines are powerful? And the answer is no, because the Illuminati know or at the end of the day they believe that they're superior. That bloodline or the blood that runs through their vein and their Humble, you know, if you talk to them or if you were in the inside, that is what makes them 
have the right to rule over the lesser men who are not of that blood. You might have even heard the terms blue blood, but it's about the blood, right? Now, most people's families today is just about broken and shattered, and the family um, as we know it is, 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 is starting to break down. And so a lot of us can't really trace back, and some of us can more than others. I know black people is completely lost like a bofo, and, you know, and some people too. And some people like my mother, you could trace it back to um, home, which is in the Caribbean, but at the same time, you can only go back what feels so far. And anybody who was living from that time who could go up just a little bit further for you and your genealogy, well, they're not here anymore. God bless the dead. You understand? So we don't have, we don't know. But um, you should, we know that they control the major and minor um, political worlds and political parties worldwide, especially here in the United States, because we're focusing more on the states. They control the process of government, period. They control wars, how they happen. You know, times are made to change is basically what I'm saying, okay? They control the process of information flow that we get from the media down to our newspapers, down to history books that, and the books that we read. To this day, if I'm reading a classic book, I'm always looking for an unabridged version. And under, even regular books, that have been written by people like my, one of my favorites, The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas. That book really supposed to be like 12, 1300 pages. They have people, I guess because the kids in school, so they try to get like shorter versions, but that's how you know they play with books. They didn't just play with that book, they just play with a lot of books. But if I'm the author and my work was 1200 pages and I'm dead and I'm finding out later on you're shortening, you're shortening it down to maybe four or three, four or 500. So the students, you know, you're still not getting the whole story. Do what you want to do with the with a movie that's a remake of a book. Shorten what you will. But the actual text of it is just like, you know, <clears throat> that's but that's what they do. So they control everything. But I always make sure now anything I get, like I'll try to stay to the oldest version as possible, even if it's just a regular book. All right. They control pretty much the process of creating money, distributing money. And lastly, but most importantly, they create they really control and have a, a reign and, and, and a, like a solid grip on Christianity or, or, or Christendom. That's one thing that they have absolutely perverted and with well reason. And I say it to everybody all the time. If you're thinking about like all the religions of the world and all the different gods and, and all the different um, supposed um, sacred feminines, like, you know, they have Mary Ishtar and all that and all of this. And the only ones they seem to attack and the only God they seem to attack and the only savior they seem to attack, even Muslims. I mean, it doesn't matter. Jewish people will just have stereotypes about them that they like money and they might be cheap. That's it. You know what I'm saying? But that's it, you know, and whatever else may be said about them. But why is it that that's the one religion that you want to sit there and go into and pervert, you know, and they perverted it bad. It's not even so much that there's no truth in it. It's just that it's been mixed and, and, and masked with so much lies that even when, when that people, when they come into the truth about the Christian faith, they come so much more, they run so much more into the lies than they do the truth that they start to realize that there might not be no truth in it at all whatsoever, which is not true. And they do what I say is just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay, but these bloodlines, or how important are these bloodlines? These bloodlines are very, very important because, as I was saying before the end of the previous segment, um, the satanic country, the United States of America, another extension of Babylon, has, which has always been viewed as a country where anyone can be president, you know, has, has literally been shown and exposed to be proven that all the U.S. presidents are related to one another and can be traced um, back to the royals. And the royals can be traced back to Mystery Babylon, right? Now, before I left, I read a little article about U.S. periods, U.S. presidents, period. And you can just look it up. But now I just want to share this article from The Guardian about from Ewan MacAskill that was written Tuesday, 
March 25th, 2008. So this is before the election actually went down. And it says Obama's family tree expanded to include the Bushes and the Pitts. Now, other people have written on the same subject during his uh, terms, both his terms. Like it was written about many times and people have made YouTube videos about it. So if you don't believe, you should just take the time to look into it. But it says here that Barack Obama often jokes in his campaign, campaign speeches about a genealogical survey last year that found he is distant cousin of Dick Cheney. Now, there is more bad news for Obama. A study published yesterday now found he is related to George Bush as well. Researchers at the New England Historic Geological Society, founded in 1845, said Obama, the son of a white woman from Kansas and a black man from Kenya, can call six U.S. presidents his cousins, both Bushes, Gerald Ford, Lyndon Johnson, Harry Truman, and James Madison. The Society, a nonprofit organization um, founded, he is also related to Winston Churchill. This is a bloodline, people. The Bible has a bloodline as well. This is why I shouldn't be so misconceived. And if there was a prophecy in Genesis concerning two bloodlines, with the seed of the woman, hello, and then the seed of the serpent, and that eventually the woman will produce a seed that will crush, that will crush the serpent's head, right? But it said that the serpent would bruise the heel. So when did the serpent bruise the heel? The serpent bruised the heel when the Messiah manifested the first half of the prophecy. When he came down, he was allowed to bruise the heel. So he bruised the heel by what? The crucifixion on the cross. But it was ordained. It was manifest. It had to happen. And then when he comes later, the second time, he will crush the head. But the same way that the devil wants to be like God and, he, and, and, the, and God have a son that he had begotten, his only begotten son, is the same way the, the Antichrist is going to cause an abomination to appear on this earth. This is what I'm basically trying to say because he has to come. If he don't come, that's the other thing. You, you shouldn't be scared. You can't be upset about it. You might as well just watch TV like the rest of us do and clap and cheer when we start to see biblical prophecy of playing. Like when they're erecting the gates of Baal here in New York City and in Paris. <laughs> well, you know, most people are like, oh my God, no. Because you're not supposed to get scared. You're supposed to say, man, this is what's supposed to happen. You know, thy kingdom come, Lord. Let all this go. Let him manifest himself. But I also know that there's some people out there that's like, well, what's going to be is going to be. <laughs> I don't mean to sound like that, but that's what they say. What's going to be is going to be. You know, and I don't really care to know because it's not for us to know. But at the same time, it is for you to know. Because if you are living in the times when he will arrive, because the thing, the most trickiest thing and the scariest thing about the Antichrist is this. When he pop up, he have to prove that he's from the house of David. And this is why we're going to talk about the Illuminati and what the hell they believe in and where, what bloodlines they say they're from. Because the bloodlines are so important. He have to prove that he's from the house of David. The temple got to be rebuilt and he got to sit there and he got to rule. Not only that, he got to be a world leader. When he comes, he has to unite the nations and bring peace. And not only that, he has to do signs and wonders from heaven. In other words, he will look like the real Christ. <laughs> Hello, somebody. If you're not on your P's and your Q's, it's just like the Yeshua said, you know, if the, 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 uh, the, if the man knew at what hour or whatever day that the, that the thief would break in, he would have stayed watch. I'm trying to stay watch as best I can. I mean, the Lord is good. There's a lot of his saints won't be here. It's just like before the flood, he caused a lot of um, the, the saints like Methuselah and them to sleep. They did not perish in the flood, but they, they went to sleep because their, their time or, the, or their, um, they had maxed out the full length of days and they went to sleep with their fathers. Okay. So I hope, you know what I'm saying, that a lot of us, even in this, with, it was listening to the sound of my voice, 
that a lot of us is laid to rest. For real, because you, you think it's trouble now. It's trouble coming later. And they will believe, so they'll accept the mark of the beast and all of this and, and not even understanding. Okay? I'm going to take a quick break, and I will be right back. All right, we're back from break. So before I took a break, we were talking about um, Obama being related and the him being a part of the bloodline, the Illuminati, and how nothing is what it seems. I mean, for me, when I found that out, it really hit home. And then it kind of made sense now why it was that this man who came out of absolutely, he came out of nowhere. We knew who he was. He, we, nobody knew who he was. The truth of the matter is the, the media made you to fall in love with Barack Obama. The media swayed you to make you believe as if you picked Barack Obama. Barack Obama was already chosen, just like all these other presidents was already chosen, just like all these other world leaders have already been chosen. Actually, the last probably freestanding leader, I mean, like, of, who was a leader of his country, I'm not saying that he was of God or, or, or represented God or, you know, or, or, or as a godly nation, it's Fidel Castro. Once Fidel Castro died, in my opinion, like you don't see him, there's not really any. And now look what happened. Big brother then infiltrated and got his foot in the door with Obama. Now Obama's walking all over there. So you, you can tell now Raul and them who's after him will probably, you know, want a position of power. We're probably waiting for him to die because he wanted to be Cuba's president for life. They're going to go and take over and they're going to turn that into democracy. You, you see them going in. You see Big Brother going in. You see they're the only nation that can go in anywhere, too. And it's like I like to say to people all the time, even with 9-11, which was the biggest lie. You know, it was um, it was a sacrifice. Right. Even with 9-11, you have um, them making you feel like people was going to come here. You ain't never had nobody come here on the soil. And these ISIS's and then all of this stuff is CIA people messing around. So my point is the media lie to you. They, they create fear and fear is not from God. OK, so all this fear is always from Satan. So Obama um, has also been exposed with his fake Photoshop family. So you remember that famous picture of him and his grandparents? on the campus of Columbia University in 1982. That has been proven to be a fake Photoshop picture. If you want to take a look at somebody who's already looked at it on YouTube, you can look up YouTuber Chance Mathis, M-A-T-H-I-S. He did that, right? So in my opinion, the only two presidents that we ever had, real presidents, was Lincoln. And the last president, the last real president that we've ever had was um, JFK. You know, God bless the dead. And he was the one who spoke out against um, secret societies and he was killed for it. Um, in September 11, 1991, George Bush Sr. made a speech in which he referenced the New World Order. This is what they like to do, too, hiding things in plain sight. It's also on the back of our dollar bill. And then you also have Egypt on the back of our dollar bill, which people already know. And of course, the, the Seclo Ordo, whatever, which means New World Order. But Bush was quoted as saying, and you can also find this um, clip on YouTube if you want to hear it with your own ears, and you should, that he said that what's at stake is bigger than just one country. So what he's basically saying is not just about America. He said it is a big idea, a new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve universal aspirations of mankind. To achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. What has been the... I don't know that we ever came together and decided. But I think that they have already decided for us. And when you're talking about the Illuminati. You're talking about Freemasonry. Um, you have to understand the original term for masonry used to be the people who build and worked with like wood and stone. And they built things and they built houses and stuff. And that's what the original was. Like... Um, like um, Hiram Abiff of the Mason Legends and all that. Everybody was, was um, you know, Builder of Solomon's Temple and, you know, he got killed. And there's always, like, all these legends and these folklores. But when you're talking about even, like, um, the Masons, what the hell are they built today? 
be honest, they don't build anything. I mean, <laughs> you have contractors, you know, construction workers and stuff, and they build, but they're not all, you know, none of them is like technically masonry. Like they, they, they didn't take an oath. The masons today, even though they still use the ruler and the the um the little compass thingy, you know, to measure things and act like they're still building, and what they're building is metaphorically, it's like a symbolism. What they're building is um a new age. What they're building towards is is a new world order, and then of course, um, we know that the only way that you can get something like that to happen or everybody be on the same page is if you have like a really strong powerful force working behind you to help that happen and the only person that would be um aiding these people along is um the devil himself so when you have two bloodlines um you have jerusalem and you have babylon like i keep mentioning so this line is from the line of babylon and as we know today the line of jerusalem have been scattered abroad you know and one thing about them you have to know that they um do a lot of hidden jilly, um, genealogies. They have a lot of hidden bloodlines in the Illuminati. So right now I'm going to reference to um, 13 bloodlines of the Illuminati on page, I want to say it's page five. Fritz Springmeier goes into the hidden agenda to hide the bloodlines of the Illuminati and the lineages. So on this page, he pretty much talks about how in the last few centuries there has been a well-intense organized program and agenda to hide Illuminati lineages. So the program includes secret conceptions, children that are switched at birth, twins that are being raised separately and secretly, having no idea that there are twins. You want to talk about the parent trap? Um, bloodline children being adopted out into both Illuminati and non-Illuminati families. I have a friend I feel is going that, through that right now. I'm trying to help him as much as I can. But also, I don't, you know, but, but he is... Um, of the Lord, you know, and he, he wants answers. He doesn't know, but I, I mean, like I feel, and I know in my heart of hearts, he, and, um, they changed surnames on purpose. So you see what they did to hide our genealogy, or a lot of people's genealogy, especially like the, the true Israelites, how they went to lengths and measures. Even a lot of people walking around here today, African American people who were slaves of this country, they don't have their last name. Their surname is from somebody else. You know, you don't know who you are. You don't really know, like, you know, who you, your heritage is. They did that intentionally to make sure that you don't know who you are. Now, that's different. Now, them intentionally hiding their genealogy is so you don't know who they are. It's a lot of people running around here with, you know, altered identities. It's just like the fake Eshen Kanazi and them Jews walking around here. They have taken on another identity. So you want to talk about a lot of, uh, of role reversals have happened is, is what has happened. Right. And don't be surprised that, that this happens actually in the book. Later on in this book, it says that there's actually like millions of um, bastard Illuminati children, right? So, for instance, he brings up um, Meyer Amschel. Bauer Rothschild has five legitimate sons. So, Meyer Am Amschel Rothschild has five legitimate sons, but they said in his um, will he had a secret bastard son. Now, I remember that like, the French prince, there was a time ago where he had an affair with a black woman and there was a baby produced. He couldn't marry the black woman, but at the same time, he has an ear. And this is the same thing that would happen with um, Princess Diana, Meghan Markle's family. Yeah, Meghan Markle and um, uh, Kate Middleton. Because Kate Middleton and William are distant cousins. You can look that up. I pulled up an article on that. I can tell you that. And also, um, Harry and Meghan, um, Harry, Harry and Meghan are, are cousins as well. But they're happy. They're distance cousins. It doesn't matter. The point is they're still keeping it in their family. It's just not as obvious. And then you have Charles and Diana, who he didn't want to marry at all. 
Everybody knows that. I mean, if you don't know that he that she was just used as a breeding ground because it was it's about an heir to produce, not just an heir to continue the throne, to continue that bloodline. And they like to keep the blood, the bloodline as um, pure as they possibly can, because um, the occult power or or the the um, power that is in the blood. So as strong as they can keep it or as pure as they can keep it as as much as they can keep the power up in the blood. Right. That's why they're hiding um, their genealogy. So because the called power is transmitted, basically, from one generation to another, uh, leading Satan, Satanists won't let you have certain positions of power and Satanism unless you have generations of occult power behind you. It's kind of like in Goodfellas. Um, you remember when um, Robert De Niro's character couldn't go up for being a boss? Because he was Italian and Irish. So on both sides of his family, they couldn't trace him all the way back home. And then you had um, you had Joe Pesci character. I can't remember his name in the movie. But they could trace his, his line all the way back to home. So they told him that they was going to make him a boss. But really, when he got there, they killed him. It was a trick. But yeah, it's kind of like that. Like, there's certain people you got to be able to trace that lineage back. And it's the same thing with the children of Israel. If, if you don't think that bloodline is important, let's look at the other side real quick. Let's look at... Um, Bloodlines in the Bible, real quick. What's in a bloodline? All right. So before I before I say that, I just want you to know that the roots of the Illuminati go back to Mesopotamia, Shinar, Ur of the Chaldees, Ur Kasdim, and of course what was known as Babylon. That's why they um called Mystery Babylon. It ain't a mystery. It, I mean, to some people, but if you know what's going on, you realize it's a, it's the same script, different cast. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? They've been doing the same script, different guys for centuries. They don't. They even. They even abolished a lot of kingdoms and done put presidents and all this other stuff. The Queen Mother's so quiet. You don't even think that Queen Mom is evil. She's so evil over there in England or whatever. She's really evil. They have a story that says that Putin went to meet with her and she shape shifted in front of reptilian being in front of her. I have that as well. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll hint at it or you can look it up yourself if I forget to. But he said she's not human. You know what I'm saying? And he said that the reason that he knows that she did that on purpose was because during the meeting, I guess she started uh, to feel like he think I'm just this little old woman. And then she had to let him know. And then also she said that uh, the, the Prince Charles it was supposedly the uh, fathered by some demon named Pindar. It's all kinds of things going on with them. And also the bloodline in Europe is also known as uh, what you would call the Merovingian family or the 13th and holy bloodline where they feel the Antichrist will be born from. So again, just like they have the 13 tribes or the third, uh, the third, yes, 13, because, you know, Ephraim and Manasseh got split into two. And then you have um, them on the other side having 13 bloodlines. And then just like how through the 12 or one of the 13 bloodlines was going to come their Messiah, which the Messiah came through the tribe of Judah. You got the devil on the other side doing the same thing, where it's through one of the 13 bloodlines, the one they consider the holy bloodline, the Merovingian bloodline, which is said to be <coughs> the Windsors. Okay. Is that through there, um, through that line somewhere, there will be the Antichrist. Now, what's happening these days, as you can see, there hasn't been a new baby in the royal kingdom since recently, right? Now they got two boys and a little baby girl, and now Megan. And so you don't know, like, as for all we know, it could be. Some people said for a long time because they knew that it was going to come through that bloodline, they thought Prince uh, William was going to be the one. They, some of them even said that he had the image of the same, of the Shroud of Turin. I don't know if you ever heard the Mr. His Mystery of the Child of Turin. How there was a face on it, they believe it was a cloth over Jesus, and then somehow it made an impression on it, and you could get the image of his face. Some people said they cloned him, and they used his DNA to manifest him, and that is him. 
They said his hair is not really blonde and he have like a really Jewish dark. Who knows? There was all kinds of things that they said. Too many people believe that it was him. But it wasn't. Okay, maybe. And, and, and so now we're looking for somebody else because at the end, at the end of the day, he got to be kind of a king too or something of, of that nature, but still a political leader and someone that everybody knows. But Bible genealogies. Now, Bible has a genealogy as well. We know that. We see that very well. And those names are hard to read, right? But Bible genealogies help confirm the histories uh, or, or historical reliability of the Bible. Okay. The records from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to the descendants of Jacob up to the time of David and beyond not only shows precision, but also the importance of family to God. Okay. And not only to God, but to the writers of the Bible. The family unit has served as a foundation of human society since Adam and Eve and their children. Okay. The importance of family is emphasized each generation um, mentioned throughout the Bible. Because without the, new, the family continuing on, if the family had fallen apart, especially if these tribes didn't stick to the laws of, of not mixing with the other races, they wouldn't have it. That's why you have them staying amongst themselves. It wasn't just so much because maybe they just want to keep the bloodline rich as well. The Bible's genealogies were also important in determining who could serve in certain positions and roles. So, for example, um, that's the same thing they have on the other side. Remember, depending on how far back your lineage goes depends on how far up and what positions and Satanism you have. Because they're everywhere from the from the banking system to the music industry to the political. They're sitting in the U.N. You understand what I'm saying? He have a kingdom, just like you have a kingdom anywhere. I told you about the hierarchy of the angels. Devil has his kingdom here and, um, under the earth with his minions. And then on earth, he have the ones that he worked through. And I believe with all my heart of hearts that the um, 13 do have the, his blood running through them. Because in Genesis 6 and 4, we have the angels uh, came down and mixed with the mortal women. And they created um, giants in that day. And we also know that there was giants in the earth before the flood and after the flood. We also know, if you look on my page on uh, the Prisoner of the Lord or IG, I have pictures of um, old giants of time, like even in like in black and white ones and the colored ones. So people with those genes are still running around here today, okay? And we also know that since they mix with the human race, a lot of the, that tallness have been watered down because that's what happens a lot of times when you water down. So a lot of them are looking kind of like you and I, but they're not. Now, you see how they said that there's a lot of, uh, I'm telling you, there's a lot of bastard Illuminati children running around here, and they're all adopted out as if so, so they don't know? Well, that um, is true as well. I mean, in all honesty, I'm starting to believe that the town that I grew up in was a small Masonic town, because that's where my friend came from. And, and I'm starting to notice that there's two people that I grew up with from that town that are that went in certain directions in life one is literally heading right for the industry <laughs> and then you have one that um wasn't came out and is now on a complete mission to warn everybody you understand what i'm trying to say and i'm trying to figure out what are the coincidences and what else might i be missing you know what i'm saying from these things because um for one one was definitely adopted out i know one was and i'm wondering if my other friends he doesn't talk as much he's not as open i don't even know that he believes on god anymore i don't know I pray for them, you know, but at the end of the day, like, that's what it is. And so, um, like I said, just like how they have to have, so like, if they could prove the genealogy all the way back, then they have certain positions of power. The Bible's genealogies are also important in determining who could serve in certain roles, like the tribe of Levi, who was, um, the only ones allowed to work in the tabernacle and temple, as well as Aaron's descendants, who were the only ones who were allowed to serve as priests. 
which is why if you read your book and you know that what was ordained by God as the commandments, you could clearly see, you know, looking at the Vatican Church and all around us, even people who choose to go into the to ministry and cemetery school and all of that. None of you are from the tribe of Levi, none of them. Okay, and also they were supposed to wear an ephod, which had like 12 stones on it, and each stone was supposed to bear um, a different stone and a name under it for each of the children of Israel. None of the priests wear these garments today. All the um, Catholic priests wear like satanic garb, and then the Christian church is just something completely different in its own. Okay, so priests today are not of the tribe of Levi. The Bible's genealogy also proves that uh, many biblical prophecies, for example, that Yeshua would come from the tribe of Judah, like I said, we can only prove that if you have that extensive genealogy, you know, because he was also a descendant of both Abraham and David, because, and that's what scripture predicted. That's why you have the genealogy mentioned once in Matthew, but it went from, it went from um, Jesus to Abraham. But then you have it again in Luke, and it takes it from Jesus all the way back to Adam. That's important. And Luke did that, they said, because Luke was a physician. And as a doctor, you know how you have to examine things, and you got to make sure, and people, they do trials and research and stuff. So he wanted to make sure that he was documenting the most accurate uh, version of it. That's why people like sometimes the, the Luke version of the four Gospels. But we also know that the Messiah was, gonna, was prophesied to be the root and the offspring of David. So lastly, the Bible's genealogy also shows us that while... It may have appeared as if God used a wide, diverse, random body of people throughout history to bring us the word of God. The truth is that these people were all cho- not chosen at random at all and that everyone was proven to be of one bloodline that could be traced all the way back to Adam. Or at least the 12 tribes, which would be chased back to um, Jacob, which could be chased back to Isaac, which could be chased back to a- um, Adam. Who, um, I mean, Abraham was the 10th from Adam and all the way back to Adam who could be traced to God. See, and this is why we understand who we're looking at and who we're talking to. I can't understand. That's how you know the church ain't right. Forgive me, somebody, if I'm offending you. I'm sorry, but I'm speaking the truth. That's how you know your church ain't right because the church never once explained to me that from, from Adam to Seth down to David, down to the Messiah, down to, you know, Paul and them. Because you can hear them say they're from the tribe of this and they're from the tribe of that. But because they never talked about the tribes, they never showed you all these. This is all family. It's all family. Right? They never did that. But you start to understand. So then when you, when you hear like the tale of two cities or whatever, you start to think about it. You're like, it's the battle of the ultimate battle of good and evil, the ultimate battle of two bloodlines. And now you can understand how the Bible and the New World Order goes hand in hand because they got to produce the Antichrist. This is his seed out here. Right? Now, let me see. And so um, while... Family genealogies in the Bible may not seem as exciting as other parts of the Bible. It is important. And I remember being in a Bible study class and we would read, literally read the Bible. She was so old school, but she was the best. Planted seeds is coming out today. And she used to always say, go over them names and don't, you know, and don't skip them. And that's important. Like it's important. But she couldn't say, some people can't tell you like that. I wish some of us could approach it like some of the other people did. They gave us pieces probably because they knew already knew from dealing with people in the past that we wasn't going to get it all right away. But she always hinted that there was a significance in the name. So when I started to realize that Cush was Ethiopia and Mizraim was Egypt, and you start to realize that, especially in Genesis 10, when you had the table of nations and all this stuff, that there was never a race. You had to go break down these locations based by people. You used to be like, OMG. It's almost like a big um, book to, de- to decode. That almost starts to decode itself. So again, the roots of the Illuminati go back to Mesopotamia. And, um, the Aryan people who, who created or... Uh, the Hittites, the Mitanni, the Assyrians, the Persians came from, uh, they are the ones who pretty much, uh, 
came up with the chariots with the spoke wheels, and they were able to overtake a lot of people because of that. But the Hittites, Mitanni, Assyrians, and Persians, and as you know, Persia and all of these is Babylonian, um, and Mesopotamia is Babylonia there. That's where you had the first New World Order. You know, they talk about Babel for a reason, the Tower of Babel. That was the first New World Order. They're not going to say that, but you have to understand it was one world that was united in one thought, one mind, due to the tyrant Nimrod, whose name means rebellion. Okay, and he wanted to ascend up to God and to overthrow them because he was upset, like the Gilgamesh epic and all the other stories. The flood story has been written in too many civilizations worldwide with different characters and names, but everybody agrees that there was a, there was a flood, okay, and that uh, it came, and it was sometime after some tower was built, and it scattered people about. And then, of course, I always say if you want to go to science, look up Pangaea. All the continents were together at one point, but then they split out, and then little, even the Hawaiian islands are like little debris. From other little pieces of the, of the stuff that broke out. So God did something there. They cannot bring back them continents together. And put them back together like a piece of a, of a puzzle. And glue them back together. No they can't. But what they will do. And what they're trying to do. They are making like um, intercontinental highways. And, and uh, like underseas uh, tunnel trains and stuff like that. So they're working very hard. You should look it up anywhere on the YouTube. They'll show you making little highways. Even overseas, they have already con connected many European a country to each other through little highways and things like that. And Florida, there's supposed to be a certain highway that they were building. I don't know if it was constructive a few years ago. It was supposed to connect you from the lowest point of the Keys, the southest key, um, the, the lowest key. And you're supposed to get down to this underground tunnel that goes into the ocean. I don't know that there, there's probably it's like a highway. Okay. I don't know how big or how vast it is, but it's, um, I don't know that you could even look out into the water, but you drive it and you can go straight to the islands from there, Cuba and make stops all over. So they're finding ways to not just fly and, sh and get on ships and cruise the world. They want to be able to get there faster. And some of these trains over there are a little faster than the ones over here. Now they got the global citizen movement that I already told you, but you, there's no such thing as a global citizen anywhere. Everybody's a citizen of where they are. So to get people to, by 2030, they have the goal to reach 100 million. I hear that close to 700 million. So you can only imagine what they're going to be at, at um, 2030. You know, and all these people are going to be global citizens. That's, that means you'd have one world, one ruler, one, one currency, one government, one citizenship. Hello. You know, like this is where we're heading. I don't know how people can't see that that's where we are headed. Yeah, so Babylon was a center of modern day um, Judaism with the Babylonian Talmud and the Babylonian Kabbalism. So you got to remember, Kabbalism or Kabbalism or what they call Kabbalah today, because they don't call Kabbalism no more. They call Kabbalah. And back then it was spelled C-A-B-A-L-I-S-M, but they doing, the, I think, the K-A-B-B-A-L-A-H or whatever. And a lot of celebrities, you should Google celebrities who practice Kabbalah. They try to tell you like it's a religion or something. It's witchcraft. Okay. Kabbalism is also is a heart of witchcraft in Freemasonry and a lot of other places, right? And so people want to go want to know like where did they go? Where did Babel go? Okay, Babel went anywhere from the Middle East, some went out to Venice, to Switzerland, Russia, London, Amsterdam. They definitely spread to Europe and eventually settled there. And then of course they settled over here in the Americas. Okay. And if you want to talk about who they worship Let's, let's go talk about who they worship now. In page 10 of Bloodlines of the Illuminati, it says, They worship a god of power and evil. Of course, they hid their common crowds. Um, they worship a god of, of power and evil, and of course, they hid their esoteric beliefs 
from the common people. They believed in evil such as the Kali and Satan, but the evil power they worshipped was not simply pure evil, but it was the evil genius who had the ability to masquerade as an angel of light. In other words, their role model was not pure ugly evil, but a being who was capable of carrying out the ultimate Machiavellian deception. The ability to practice vile evil while looking like an angel of light. Which is why Obama is so cunning and so charming. And I tell people all the time, I remember I was saying this before somewhere else, it wasn't here, that um, charming is very, de- charming is deceitful as ever. As a matter of fact, like, the more charm has someone has, charm is always going to stand out too because for some reason it just stands out above the, the normal common behaviors of other people. But some of the most charming people, you know, and I mean, it can be very wicked and very, very evil. And your enemies come with smiles. And when Satan comes, he does not come. Have you heard any of our previous episodes, especially in the books of Adam and Eve and in the, uh, the life of Abraham, where when we talk about how he shapeshifts in, in scripture or, or books in the past that people were reading where they understood him to be a shapeshifter, you'll understand that he will stop at nothing. There was times when he manifested himself to Adam as three angels of light that were real angels looking just like them that the Lord had sent to um, Adam bearing three gifts from the garden, which was um, incense, um, myrrh, and gold, and gold, like some kind of gold sticks because the, the candle was dark, okay, in the, tri- in the cave of treasures. So when the, the angels came back, they came back in his form, and Abraham kicked it with him under a tree all day long, thinking he was really conversing with these angels until something made him feel like something wasn't right, and he prayed on it. And all these things, these people prayed on it when they felt like something wasn't right, and all of a sudden, these things would flee. That's why prayer is important. It's, a call, it's important to cover yourself in prayer because they flee. They can't enter in and they can't come around. And it's a lot of people in witchcraft, especially John Todd. I don't know if you know about John Todd, but he said that um, it's a lot of people, they're, they're practicing stuff in their head. I don't know why people think they got to go at home and cut. Not everybody need a voodoo doll. Some of these things is the cheapest form of magic. And they let you all trinkle with it in the Ouija board and all of that because it lets every, all that dark stuff in that's going to kill you out. Some people could be looking at you dead in your face and they're chanting something in their head. That's why I stay prayed up wherever I go. If something don't feel right, I'm already, in the, I'm already saying something in my head. And, if I, and sometimes if I don't know what to say, I'll, our Father who art in heaven, I'll go straight to that. Okay? But things are going on out here. That's why sometimes you just got to keep a word in you or got to keep a scripture in your heart. Something don't feel right, just say the scripture. You know what I'm saying? Like, the Lord is my shelf and who shall I fear? Say something. Because you got to remember, that's what's going on. That's what's working out here is the evil. And the only thing that's going to combat it is that. So they um, also talk about this book, The Creation of Programming and Multiple Personality Disorders, and that the Illuminati secretly teach their members um, Gnosticism, which means that they need to balance their good deeds with their bad deeds, right? Which is where you get the yin-yang sayings. But the, the God of darkness, he continues to say in the book, is the God of darkness and his worshipers have developed an intricate plan of attack for this war. Many people, including Christians, do not recognize that Satan has plans. Not only does he have plans, they are detailed, they are ingenious, and they are designed for the long haul. Okay. Then he quotes 1 John 5 and 19. This is why I listen to people like him because he puts two and two together. He puts scripture with it. And you know, that's that. if you're not putting scripture with it, you, you could be just selling an agenda. And there's a lot of people that they've put in place on YouTube and other places they know where we go to that 
do what the devil do masquerade as an angel of light like hey i'm on your side i'm good i'm trying but meanwhile they're sitting there trying to lead you astray like this woman i told you about who supposedly served god but all she's been doing in the past two and a half years is approaching the mandela effect and because and keep repeatedly revisiting the bible you know trying to at the same time say it's okay but at the same time discrediting it which makes no sense in two and a half years dedicated to that to me says you've been sent here to do something by somebody okay so it says um when these people are evil they are what is termed satanist and when these people use their wealth and power for good like when they be charities and stuff like that they become the heroes of the common people this is much what they believe narcissism yin and yang okay the secret worshipers of satan are desperate to please their god of evil but what does their god want they believe that he wants to destroy man. It would appear Satan is obsessed with the perversion and destruction of mankind. And that makes absolute sense, right? Now, you have to understand, he sells these people lies and he sells them dreams. And when you're in these like uh, Masonic things and also fraternities is, is, is dark as well. For certain fraternities are like the stepping stones or like the little the, the little mason kindergarten if you will like you know they have pre-k and then they got kindergarten like that's like pre-mason stuff why you think it is that as soon as now you leave and you go and see yeah if you're in a fraternity or sorority and i already and i have a, um, a, a good friend of mine that i worked with and he was the only one there who was um on like me and i don't talk to him often i know i think last i heard he was engaged because we both left the job and went separate ways but um, he was in a fraternity, and I w I'm, thank God I was able to say to myself, I said, you know, I see, Tommy, that you're so woke, and, you, you know, God has definitely allowed you to, to reveal things unto you like he has revealed unto me. I was like, but it surprises me that someone who's just as smart and, you know, intelligent as you is still a member of a fraternity. And even he said, I'm not going to lie to you. It's something that I struggle with all the time because they also have to have, like, a certain power or a certain God in front of, in front of them. Masonry is the same thing. Now, I want to warn and say something to all of you really quickly. When you're talking about masonry, I want you to know that there's always an outer layer that always has nothing, that has no idea what the hell's going on at the top. So those of you who's going to say, well, my friend's grand-grandfather or my father is a mason or black or white because they got black masons out here too. That's what I'm trying to tell you. A lot of black people and this Jones and stuff, you're trying to keep up with a lot of people who are masons. Like Trayvon Martin's father was a mason. Uh... Zimmerman's father was a mason. You need to go reevaluate that trial and see what really happened to that boy in that light and see just how high Trayvon Martin's father was in that lodge and just see just what he how 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 far he was climbing. You got to start doing things after a while. OK, and some people are going on to get along with it and they got black women masons up in here. And I give you, and, and reason I'm talking about that is because you got to talk about, remember, there's like a boule society. A boule, a boule society would be like the black masons, but of the Greek fraternities. Because the black masons and the white masons do not mix. That's the thing. And no, they're not of the, they're not of the Illuminati because like I keep saying, it's a bloodline. But they're like pawns that are used that have either sold their souls or, or making initiation to get deeper into the craft to keep climbing so they could eventually hopefully hit 33rd. And which every step that they take to climb, they're told that they're going to learn something new. And every time they get to a new level, they're told that whatever they was taught the level before wasn't nothing. And this is what the whole game is about that keeps them going. It's this whole, it's a big lie, but they keep saying, what's behind the next door? And you get to the next door and they tell you what was behind there was before. And, and they keep making you climb up. You start to get obsessed with this position of power. You start wanting to do things. And, and their God wants blood. Right, so re-look oh, re at that. And, and I'm talking about the Trayvon Martin case. 
They said, now, because of lack of understanding of how Satan has organized his realm and transmits orders, Christians have been very susceptible. This is um, Fritz Springmeier on page 10. Christians have been very successful to all kinds of deceptions and misperceptions. Christ and his disciples warned that Satan's empire was not divided, nor is it now. The realization has not really sunk into most of Christendom. And that's what I'm saying now. They are solid as a rock. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's not to say that the cornerstone, that the builder refused, you know what I'm saying? It's not going to come out and come and slay. I'm not saying that. But what I'm simply saying is you, they're working on, I mean, like as far as like the, the, the few of us that are woke and comparison to the billions that are, are sleeping, they are moving behind the scenes, undetected, unnoticed. Uh, they are not on the radar. You know what I mean? And the things that they made you focus on is the distractions of the world. Celebrities. That's why with the, with, with the um, global citizen movement, they're using a lot of celebrities. Celebrities, the, the ones who are willing to push the agenda, like even Janet, I grew up loving her. But even I have to admit that, you know, she's not of light. She seems to have it, though. She's another one of those people that, yeah, she's not, though. You know, that's just the truth of the matter. She's promoting the LGBT movement. She's up there for a reason. If she wanted to talk about something good and right, they wasn't going to put her there. They put her there for a reason. And she's also the type of person who can trans, um, transcend from generations. So when you're talking about her, she also represents the Jacksons, which with some people, you know, they've been watching her since the 70s. So she's connecting people from the 70s all the way up to her new fans, these new little baby girls today. And they're looking at her and they're calling her a legend and all this stuff. And this is, this is her year. But then, like I said, you have like, look at LeBron James. Look at it. Look, get a picture of the tattoo on his chest. That's the um, that's the boule symbol with the black. I think it's like a leopard or cougar kind of thing. And it has a jar and, the, and it has the hand. It has the hand on the lid as if it's holding something or wants to keep the lid shut. The black boules or the black masons are the house Negroes for the white masons. They are the ones that are here. That's the all sharp thins. MLK was one. Yeah, he was. But then guess what? When he started to wake up and tell the truth, he got killed by other Boulay members. Those were the, more, the members that were seen on the balcony with him in that frame of shot. And, um, um, Malcolm X was one. But then he started to wake up and he's the one people that kept saying, you're the people of the book and all this stuff. And he's the one that spoke up and said the, Asian, the, the nation of Islam has nothing to do with Islam, period. That was a whole nother CIA agency. And guess what they did? They took him out. Right? So... It's kind of like the Boulay members are like this. The house Negroes, it would be like just like Egypt. What I talked about, the, the, the Egyptians and the Israels was two black races. But the um, Egyptians would have been like the house Negroes oppressing the field Negroes. So today you have black entertainment people. They could they could have came out of colleges. Let's be honest. Look, Aretha Franklin, she was a Delta. If you go look at Wanda, she a Delta. Like so a lot of them have a lot of backings into them. And some of them don't. They just either claim in and went into other societies. There's other things you can join. Just like you have the Illuminati, that's a bloodline family. But then they have secret societies like Skull and Bones. They have the Building Burgers. They have the Council of Foreign Relations. None of these titles say anything. And Skull and Bones is like a fraternity. But in all in all honesty, that's on the most, you know, like that's on a prominent Ivy League school with people who have money who's going to go there. So if you're in that, and we kind of had an idea what goes on with that, with the movie that we've seen. And also, what about hazing every year with these kids dying? But then you get out in the real world if you make it. And you're the best of your best in your chapter or whatever. You put that thing on the resume. You you in there. You in there. You good money. You don't have to worry about anything else. Meanwhile, everybody's struggling because they're not part of your secret society. And that's the same way they move today. So you have people like um, 
Look at James. I promise school. Everything about that is satanic. <laughs> it is dark. But people love James and they call him a king. You know what I'm saying? They, they bow down to a regular human being and, and they give him honor and praise. He's a regular human being. You know what I'm saying? But in that, in that mindset, they don't care. Like, they don't care about you over there. So he says here on page 11, Satan is systematically destroying the earth through his wicked empire. It is vitally important for God's people to understand how this empire works and what it intends to do to them. Not to just sit there and be like, well, there's nothing we could do about it. But the Bible said be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. They never said do anything about it. But you got to be able to tell when the time is near. I am speaking about it, even though I feel like I'm doing my studies. Everybody's responsible for their own salvation. But I feel like I wouldn't even want my enemy to fall into the trick or nobody deserves to be, nobody deserves this, what the devil doing. This wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so wrong. Like, I think about it sometimes, it just hurt my soul. And you sometimes I just pray and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because even scriptures say, wide is the gate. Wide is the gate. You know what I'm saying? That leads to hell, the path of destruction in the narrow is the way that we going in. And not a lot of people is going that way because that way is not appealing. You know, the, the I say all the time, like as a joke, but the world is going to hell and gasoline drawers. And, there is a people on top that is connected to the Dark Lord. They, um, every rich family is not a part of the Illuminati either. That's the other thing I want to say. As the times and centuries went on, if you was a prominent family and you was not of the bloodlines, like including the mob, they said the mob actually has no, from what the older versions of the mob, had no care in the world for worshiping Lucifer or Satan. But at the same time, they, they um, gave allegiance to Illuminati families because it's the same way like the, um, it's the same way like, um, JFK and all of them, they all get muscled there. They throw their muscle around on them. And it's kind of like um, get down or lay down. So it's kind of like you're either going to go along to get along with us, the elite. Even if you got money, we don't care. We're elite. You know what I'm saying? We got that blood running through us. We Satan's children. They ain't going to say all that. But I'll show you in the book, if you stick with me a little longer, if you still have God bless you, that the, um, the, the Merovingian family claims to be from the tribe, descendants from the tribe of Dan. They even say things like from the, tri from the, from the um, tribe of Cain. And or how or Cain's descendants as well. They mixed it with Native Americans. They're supposed to have like a little bit of everybody in there. That's what they say. But you got to remember that some of these royal families, like including the Merovingian family, the Holy 13th, that where the Antichrist is supposed to come from, they actually claim to be descendants of the house of David. Because remember, the Mormon church who um, is descendant um, from one of the kings who was related to them, uh, I think his name was Mr. Smith or whatever his name was. He was one of the first to say that Mary Magdalene and all of that and Jesus had an affair, which was supposed to indicate that there was a bloodline or a holy grail. And then, of course, in the movie, which was like such blasphemy, they traced that grail or that supposed bloodline to being somewhere in Europe. Right. So that's my whole point. So now my whole point is if they try to say, hey, we're of the house of David and then they manufacture an antichrist. Right. And on top of that. Scripture says, and I'll show you in the next segment, it says that the Antichrist will come from the house of Dan. That's a really strong statement to say that you're from the house of Dan or you're from the, the tribe of Dan. And it's also prophesied in Scripture that, that Dan would uh, be the judge of his brethren and we would be the backbiter of them and make them fall. That was on the horse. And so, so I'm going to take a break because I want to recoup. It's a lot of stuff. I, this is really supposed to just be an intro. Again, I can't touch on everything here, but I'm trying to make sure that the stuff that I do say is enough to at least get people to understand uh, first and foremost, that we're connecting the New World Order to Scripture and that you must connect both. But without one, you will not be able to understand the other or the truth of this world. Okay, and then um, I'm going to take a break, maybe eat some lunch, and then I'll be back in a little bit. God bless you. 
Okay, family, I'm back to wrap up. Have a little mercy on you guys. I think I'm just going to come back with a part two because this is just the intro. But I wanted to just hit on what was important. So um, back into the Bloodlines of the Illuminati by Fritz Springmeier. And we'll reference other books another time. Um, he wants to talk about the secrecy surrounding the Brotherhood. And he says that um, with so much secrecy surrounding the Brotherhood, it was hard for anyone to recognize its influence. And if someone did and tried to do something about it, they were blackmailed or killed. Satan does not hesitate to kill anyone who gets in his way. Step by step, the Brotherhood became entrenched into our ancient societies. And many Brotherhood members had developed satanic bloodlines. The members also took control of the world's um, monetary system because the devil knows that the love of money is the root of all evil. He knows he can trap good and decent people with the earth's temporal wealth. Wealth, intelligence, wisdom, love, divinity, imagination, God. The things men go in search for are those things used um, to power and entrap other men that's what Satan uses that's why I'm telling you it's a very this 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 um mindset that they all have one it's just like in, in, in I think I think it was John 17 when Yeshua talks about um what I, I want you all to be one with me like I am one with him and I am the vine and if you hold on to the vine and everything was about oneness and being on one accord and and and, and if you know if the um branch withers away you know then the tree stump you know was, everything was about it just him being the vine and everybody to hold on to him and be one well, there's no one moving as one right now as much as Satan's kingdom is. You know what I mean? And um, they know what to do because they're following one leader. And they're all one-minded, you know, and also with, with the one single eye that's darkened. Because that's in scripture too about the one eye that's darkened. They said, it says if you are one-eyed or, or one-eyed, which one-eyed in their sense means of one account, of one mind, of one body, of one period. You know what I'm saying? then that's good they said but if you're one-eyed and the one-eyed is filled with darkness how great is that darkness okay and that's what we're talking about with these people but the point is they know what to do to us and the way that it's so subtle should be no surprise because this is the same thing he did to us in the garden you can't see it coming if you could have seen it coming that's why they say be sober be vigilant and stay watch because your adversary the devil is walking around seeking whom he can devour you know, we hear these scriptures all the time, but again, if you don't know who your enemy is or how he's moving, which is why I guess this, I don't mean to make this episode so long, but as an introduction, just to get people to once again, what's the whole point of this podcast? Pique their curiosity, try to give them some stuff where they, with some, with some uh, resources behind it that they can go in and search for themselves because I can't do all the research for you. And when I was finding out things, it was things that was said to me that piqued my interest that, that helped me to go on my own journey. And then, of course, like I said, as you go on and you become the lover, you know, you, you're either going to run from the truth or you're going to keep going and you'll handle it better. And then, you know, you are where you are. Okay. And so they said the only way for the Illuminati to succeed is to remain confidential. I agree. But when they say ancient mystery religions and these things that everybody in these societies and even the, 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 the um, people in the industry, there's a lot of people that died, you know, that's just ended up believing on or people like Lauren Hill today. She ain't crazy and she ain't, she loves the Lord. Lauren Hill loved the Lord. If you love God, you're going to, they're going to make you look like Lauren. They're going to make it be so that it, as far as you're concerned, she fell off. She's not gifted. And if you listen to the radio today, especially this trash, even, I'm 33 years old. I'm not that old, you know, but then, and I listen to still some music, some worldly music sometimes, but I try not to, but you get in the car, 
And if you listen to it, if you're not talking crap these days, if you're not talking lusty drugs, and like I said, a lot of this music is satanic. You know it is because all it's talking about is raising a bunch of generation. These kids look so much older than me now. These kids go to school looking like Kim K. I say it all the time. Like, so you know, and I'm not that far behind them. I mean, I mean the high school was a while ago, but I still feel like any one of them could still be like just my little cousin. <laughs> and it's just like crazy. You know, the way the world has changed. So he knows what to do. Everybody's running around here thinking that they're their own God. You see where it's going. God is not, if you're not feeding yourself God, because they said man cannot survive by um, bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God or whatever. Where are we getting it at? And you all could say Sunday at church, but thumbs is, that is nothing compared to when you sit down and study and get the truth. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't look at people's examples or our ancestors' examples and not use it for strength. I know I do. But I'm just saying as far as the day and time that you're living in, I also feel like you should start to really evaluate if for nothing else for argument's sake and for your salvation's sake, whether or not if, if you're still debating this conspiracy thing, like where, where does it lie at, you know, because it's very much real. Now, was Winston Churchill speaking on the Illuminati. Um, President. So I really want to go to the Merovingian really quick. Now look, on page 19 of the Bloodlines of the Illuminati, it says the guiding force behind the Illuminati. David Hill says the guiding force behind the Illuminati has always been certain demonic spirits assigned to steer the leaders of society. Below Satan in the chain of command are the demonic rulers and princes who strive tirelessly to destroy all righteous and pure things. These beings are now appearing in the form of enlightened aliens and powerful reptilian aliens, which is why you have people talking about a reptilian race. They don't even, they might look like reptilians because when they fell, he does not look anything like, none of them look like what they look like. So there's no telling what their power and and the alien thing is just them shape-shifting doing doing problems. So the human command structure of the Illuminati is difficult to understand since it is concealed from the general population. The levels can be defined as interlocking organizations and societies that vary in their operation and status. It is important to know how the leadership roles in the Illuminati work if we are to understand the command structure. That's what I was trying to explain to you about why they need so many of them and how well they're infiltrated every continent, every nation, and they still work into it. They're just about there. And if it, it doesn't, why would it seem so surprising that it would take them that long to get to world domination? You, we hear, but we hear the theme of world domination and plenty of little things we don't watch in the path. I mean, look at Pinky in the brain when you was long, younger. What are you going to do today, Pinky? You're going to take over the world, you know? Like, <laughs> you think about it, but you really be like, who can take over the They can, cause they, and, and it's been done before by Nimrod in Tower of Babel. All right. Anyway, it says here, he says here, the goal, their goal is to enslave the world and hand it over to the master of death. That's it. And why? Because they are locked out of heaven. They can't come back. Now, before I uh, go any further, I just want, I need more scripture. Don't you? I would like to refer to more scripture. So first we're going to go to Luke 9 and 25. Luke 9 and 25. 
Luke 9, 25 says, For what is it a man's advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? Okay. And most uh, translations say, or what is what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? Okay. The whole world and lose himself or be cast away. Why would you want to do that? Then we have John 4 and 24. You can't serve two masters. That's why if you're loving Obama and you're loving God, you can't serve two masters, especially when one master is on one side because it says either you're going to love the one and hate the other. Let's go to John 8 and 32, actually. John 8 and 32 says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Some translations say set. This is KJV. It say make you free. Okay. John 16 and 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Spirit of truth. And there was another scripture where he said, uh, in the last days, I'm going to send out my spirit of truth. He said, your, your sons and your daughters going to start dreaming, and the old men going to prophesy, young men going to prophesy, and the daughters is going to prophesy. That's what he said. These are these days. How is it that all of us is coming out like crazy? You know what I'm saying? Like, where there's smoke, there's fire, honey. We ain't, we're not crazy. The Lord is revealing and opening up the eyes of babes. That's why when I came to the understanding and was able to read the Bible, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I never felt so loved or, um, or I guess you could say I knew I was loved. Like, you know, God loves you or whatever, but sometimes you're not sure. But I knew, I knew for a fact that um, God loved me. So much in a way that he opened up my eyes to see. It was so scary being able to see, even now I get choked up about it, that I couldn't understand why I could see and nobody else could see. And there's scriptures about that as well. Why some people are going to be able to see and some people are not going to be able to see. And we'll talk about that too. But then you have, um, let's see. I did the descriptions about Babylon and how we wrestle with principalities. If you want the genealogy of um, Jesus, you can go to Matthew uh, 1 and Luke 3. I want to talk about how Satan is the God of this world now. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 3 and 4. Got to talk about that because you got to tie it in for people. So I can at least start or believe a little bit better. 2 Corinthians 3 and 4. You got a motive. You got everything here. What else you looking for? Some of these other ones are so hard. Nibiru and Enki and Elinlil and the Anunnaki. And I'm like, stop. It's not that complicated. <laughs> it's really not that complicated. 2 Corinthians 3 and 4. Is it 2 Corinthians? 3 to 4. 3 to 4. Uh, you know what? I think I wrote that down wrong. Um, or am I wrong? Three, two, four. It manifested in us. Yep, that's the wrong scripture. 
I think it's Corinthians 4. Yes, yeah, Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 to 4. Forgive me, guys. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 to 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Some are not going to see. And, if, and in whom the God, little g, of this world hath blindeth the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine unto them. He is blind in their hearts. That's why when God said, when he used to be like, oh, no, if something, something, you're going to die. Some people are like, oh, he's going to say, he, some of them, he, he was not talking about dying on the spot. Some of them, he meant spiritual death, which to me is the worst death. You are walking shell. I so many of those people walking around here today. So many people are desensitized. They don't even feel anymore. You can't talk to anybody. You can't even have a real emotion. If you try to speak out against something and you're talking about it in the right way of positivity, Satan done got everybody to turn around on you and call you a hater and a liar. That's why scripture had once said, one day said, woe unto them that call good uh, bad and bad good. These are these days and these times. Someone like me who, you know, like um, I have certain standards for dating. I don't want to get up with the hookup culture, but men or others will look at you like you're strange or you're weird. That's why the Lord said, um, if, if you were of the world, the world would accept you. The world would love you if you was of the world because you are not of this world. Is why I picked you and chose you out of this world to be a part of my kingdom. You know, that's something. It took me a very long time to, to coming into the truth. I had no idea why I felt like I couldn't fit in. There's a lot of places I just didn't fit in. I bring my light around and they just couldn't stand it. I just did not fit in. See, call, first call, set apart. It's set apart, called, chosen. Because I was set apart, called, then chosen. I had, it took me a long time to realize that, but where I am now is where I'm supposed to be, not with a bunch of people and a bunch of different men doing a bunch of different things. You know, we are building up the kingdom. There's things that we're trying to do here. John 12. Let's go to John 12, 31 and 32. John 12, 31 to 32. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Praise be Yeshua. Matthew 13, 38 to 43. 38 to 43. This is when he answers about uh, the parable of the tares, the wheat and the tares. So he said, he answered unto them and said, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. Son of man is Yeshua. He sowed the good seed. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. Now, some would automatically say the wicked one just mean, oh, the bad people are the tares. Uh-uh, honey. It ain't, it ain't that quick and easy. When he says is the children of the wicked one, he means the children of the wicked one. Okay. And he says that the ones are the children, the children of kingdom. It's very clear that even um, after Genesis and in, in the books of Adam and Eve, when you're talking about the cave of treasures, it's very clear that Seth's line was super holy. Right. I mean, that's absolutely clear. It's very clear that Cain, after he separated, after the death, uh, I mean, the murder of his brother, that his line was through and through bad to the bone. It's almost as if. You would have thought one came from the darkness for real, for real. And you would have thought that one came from the light for real, for real. Like that's how much in contrast. That's why they kept saying, stay up here on this holy mountain. Do not go down to the children of Cain. But then the children of Cain had got infiltrated by the fallen angels who taught them music, harp, weapons, and all of this. Um, coloring, purple was one of the first colors they were wearing. And they sat at the bottom 
of the mountain, the holy mountain, and they played for a year. They stayed by the, but this is how determined Satan is. They stayed for a year having parties and playing music and wearing their beautiful clothes of coloring. And it's very, very enchanting. I mean, even the word Hollywood, listen to Hollywood, where all the magicians lies come from. You know what Hollywood is? If you look into Hollywood or what Hollywood, Holly is the top of a tree, I guess. And then then you say Hollywood, you're talking about wood from the holly or wood from a holly tree or of a source. It had to be a tree. And what they used to do is the witches used to carve a wand out of Hollywood. Hollywood was a, the best kind of wood to make these little magician wands, these little wands. And look how where they have the center where they project all this stuff onto us. Everybody got this box now. We're so controlled by this box and this radio. Hollywood. It's magic. It is Satan. Okay. There's a lot of people from Beyonce to plenty of entertainers. Even Oprah, when she did a lot of those uh, Negro movies in the past, you know, they always say that they channel some kind of spirit or some kind of energy. It's a lot of dark magic. Nicki Minaj talking about Roman and these demons. It's a lot of people tapping into a lot of dark things down here. So the parable of the wheat and the tares, verse 39, says the enemy that sold them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it shall be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all that defended and all them that do inequity. Now I want to go to some scriptures that said that not all will understand the mysteries. Because some of us is like, what's wrong with you? Can't you see that? The answer is no, they can't. Luke 8 and 10. Luke 8 and 10. And he said... And he said, unto you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. Let's go to Mark 411. Matthew, Mark 4 and 11 through 12. And he said unto them, unto you, it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without all these things are done in parables that seeing they may see not and perceiving and hearing they may that seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. OK, not everybody's going to see. Matthew 15 and 14. says let them alone this is Yeshua speaking in all of these let them alone they be blind leaders of the blind and if the blind lead the blind both shall fall into a ditch amen John 9 39 I'm just doing a few more of these let's go to 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 2 14 First Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto them. 
Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You're not spiritually discerned. They said the natural man is un, is an unspiritual man and he's unreceptive. He does not admit the truth into his heart. Okay. A spiritual discernment is generated only by the Holy Spirit. You cannot discern nothing without the Holy Spirit guidance. They will not see. The Holy Spirit cannot inhabit a place of darkness and, and, and that's full of dark. You got to clean it up. You got to reconstruct what's going on inside. You pray God help you see. If you really want to see, he will show it to you. I'll just play around with it. Second Corinthians three through four. Second, I'm sorry. Second Corinthians. I read that already. Verses of four, three through four. So now we're gonna go to. I think that's good enough. Oh, there's a lot more. Uh, let's go to. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, I'm going to close up with the Merovingian family, the 13th bloodline that the Antichrist will be coming from. See you in a little bit. Okay, family. I know this episode is really long, but I'm here to wrap it up with the final, um, just some notes that I have about the 13th Holy Merovingian bloodline. So again, I didn't mention the list of the 13 names real quick. I'll do that. But when it comes to them, the 13th Holy Merovingian out of the 13 bloodlines, that's where the Antichrist is going to come from. So I'm going to quote some things or what I'm going to reference is actually coming from the book again, The Bloodlines of the Illuminati by Fred Springmeier. So it's the Astors, the Bundy, the Collins. Now, um, they, they, Johnny Depp did a movie about um, the Collins family. He was a vampire. It was very recent. I can't remember the name of it. but um, And then they also had did a series on him. It was a show. I can't remember what it was called. Um, something dark something about him in Connecticut. The DuPont family, Freeman, the Kennedys, JFK's family, the Lees, I think in China, the Onassis's. Jackie Onassis's family, and I believe that her father, the Onassis, uh, who she got last name, was her stepfather, but her mother still was of a prominent family. The Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, okay, this is where Jay-Z gets his name, Rockefeller, spells it differently, Russell, the um, 13th Holy Merovingian, the Vandines, the Krupps, the Reynolds, etc., right? So, like I said, the 13th Holy Merovingian, they are the 13th bloodline of the Illuminati. And they cons- they consider themselves, according to the bloodline of the, the, the Illuminati by Fred Springmeier, to be the divine descendants of Lucifer. Um, Lucifer and Christ are at times considered to be brothers by the leading occultists, which to me, could kind I could kind of see where they could get that from. It's, I guess in the sense that they were all angelic beings of um, the same... God at one point before the fall of Lucifer. Um, the descendants of Joseph Smith, who is um, and Joseph Smith Jr. and leaders of the Mormon Church, 
are both descendants of the Merovingians. And so it's no surprise or no wonder how Joseph Smith is coming out with those fables that they have in the Mormon church. And speaking of, there was a YouTube, there was a Facebook video that my friend shared with me very recently where it was an African-American male, I guess down south, who was approached by two Mormon church members, two young um, Caucasian males who came with their book. And so... I wish I should have came back with the scripture, but there was a scripture that he said that he already knew. He studied to show himself to prove, but I never, I did not read the Mormon book, but I feel like I should because I did not take that on in my readings just to, just to see what they say. It's not to get swayed over. It's just to know what they say. But he already had in his mind one scripture that he knew by heart that they um, had in their book. And so while they were coming to sway him over to Mormonism, a black African-American male by two young um, Caucasian Mormon church members. He said, um, I know what you're saying. He said, and I have time for the word of God because I love the word of God. So I don't mind to talk to you about the word of God. He said, but before you say anything, before you even say whatever it is that you were fixing to say to me, go to this scripture right here in your book. And so he gives them the scripture and they go to the scripture and he said, and read it out loud. And meanwhile, of course, somebody's recording this because like I said, it was a video that was shared to me on the Facebook and uh you have them first struggling <laughs> to find where the book is so that shows that they don't read it second of all i feel like if they read the book to know what it was that they were selling cuz so many people just get so brainwashed in what they go into they don't do any background on it i feel like they would have already knew that they was walking or setting themselves up into to go into a trap so I guess at one point they started to realize that he was so confident because he said, yeah, go ahead. Just just find a scripture and read it out loud. But again, they're struggling to find it. And then, of course, they're just saying, well, we're just trying to bring the word. We don't mean any harm. And maybe they don't because like a lot of people in a lot of churches and there's a lot of Baptist um, Masonic churches. People don't know, <laughs> you know, we'll talk about that another time. But maybe they don't know. You know, Maybe they really believe that what like a lot of people believe to this day that what their leader in their church is saying is to be true. So long story short, they get to the scripture and they read it. And do you know what the scripture says? Now, if you heard my episode about uh, the origin of the right of the white race, which was not a racist episode, I'm not a racist person. I'm a child of God. I'm not racist. But I was just talking about the, uh, the book from Babylon, Timbuktu, and trying to just give some clues and tips using biblical um, references as well. I told you that in scripture, it was never considered bad to be turned or to be dark. Like to be dark or 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 of or, or, or melanated was never considered to be um, bad or a curse so much as it was to be having leprosy, or um, something like that or turning white and it was called white as snow. I went over that and I said that um, it was more or less considered a curse to be like going in that direction of color as it is most of the the more melanated color or the um, <clears throat> the um, melanated shade now in their book though the mormon guy when they read the scripture when they finally found it do you know what their book said in their scripture do you know what it said they had the nerve because this book was not inspired by the true god the most high god of abraham isaac and jacob the verse that the man pointed out was to say that us people of color anybody who's melanated especially black people though specifically black people because we get the we, we, we you know we the butt of the joke right 
and that's okay. You know, we know that Satan got plans for us, but I feel like if there's any other race that's like kind of stepped on, it's us, right? But anyway, uh, it said that that we were so uh, impure or wicked or considered evil by the Most High God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that instead of being turned white like leprosy, the reverse happened, like reverse vitiligo or whatever, and we turned black. It's kind of like Uncle Ruckus on Boondocks, like if you all ever watched it, right? What'd he say? He got reverse vitiligo, right? So instead of turning from black to white, he say it went the other way. He would have the Mormon way of thinking. And you could see how that worked out for him because he ended up being like the house Negro that's trying to sell everybody. So he would represent like the boule mindset, so to speak, as opposed to um, the, the young-minded brother who it represents like the woke and conscious people that's trying to wake up. But there's always going to be like a house Negro somewhere. I'll never forget one episode... <laughs> Uncle Ruckus was uh, talking about white people. He said when they run and they sweat, he said they, they sweat smell like uh, like lemon and sunshine or <laughs> something. Like, he just loved white people so much. And it's some great white people out there. Like, come on. It ain't just like all black people ain't bad. It's just like all white people ain't bad. But anyway, I'm just using Uncle Ruckus as an example. <laughs> Okay, so that's what they had in the Mormon thing. And so when they read it to him, long story short, they kind of felt like they could see what he was saying, but now they also knew they was on camera and also they was embarrassed. And so the brother, the, the, the young Caucasian male say, you know, we didn't, you know, maybe it's being taken out of context, but we don't believe that. So maybe they don't believe that, but the point is they're not familiar with their books and know what they teach and so much as they got so caught up in somebody's word and sways and, and let us sway. And like I said here, according to, I'm just telling you, it's not my beliefs. This is in the bloodlines of the Illuminati. If you have the book, it's on, where am I now? As far as, uh, the Mormon Church. You can go to page 369 if you have that book. That's the beginning of the 13th Holy Maravindian, right? And so then we start talking about the tribe of Dan. So I'm going to read a little bit from page 370. Uh, it says, from, from researching Freemasons, it was clear that the British royalty played a leading role in it. From researching the power structure in the U.S. and the world, it was clear that the British royalty had extensive power, was involved with witchcraft, which is very real, and every culture has a form of witchcraft, okay? Stop blaming the Haitian people. And the occult was involved with the other Illuminati bloodlines and was using their power to influence and promote agendas that this author has previously learned were Illuminati agendas. Now... <clears throat> When we skip down, it says, Because large blocks of history and other knowledge has been suppressed and hidden by the secret societies, this author still has some unanswered questions about some of the connections between the various bloodlines and their roles in history. However, it is clear that in recent history, the various nodes of power in the world have been congealed. Okay have been congealed into one super world order. This congealing has been the goal of the Merovingian dynasty for centuries. They saw the ultimate fulfillment of this primarily through the British Empire, sec secret societies, and socialism. Now listen to this. It says they have worked and interbred with other powerful bloodlines, such as Nimrod's 
the leadership of mystery religions they interbred with. It says the tribe of Benjamin, some of them have interbred with, and the tribe of Dan. Now, even if you didn't want to believe what we're saying, if you're new to this, this is not my thoughts. We will never find the origin of these people in Satanism, except for, you know, maybe Cain, who we did have a clue with Yeshua saying, um, you're not the seed of Abraham. When he came, he said, you know, if you were the seed of Abraham, you know who I am and you would accept my word. He said, you're the, of your father, the devil. He didn't say the devil exactly, but he said he was a murderer from the beginning. And we all know the first murderer was um, Cain. And then, but technically, if you want to talk about the uh, first murderer spiritually who caused spiritual death, it was Satan. So you never know. Okay, but um, to be the from the tribe of Dan. So I had looked up some scriptures about the tribe of Dan. But before I do that, I just wanted to read some more because I, want, I know people want to know more. So the Rothschilds, according to this book, um, claim to be descended uh, from Nimrod as well. So it says, for instance, the Rothschild bloodline, which secretly claims blood descent from Nimrod, works with the Merovingians. Now, if I or if we this is not me saying this, I'm saying it's coming from a book. <laughs> this is why I use the I use the sources of whatever. You know, what I'm saying I'm trying to bring a message. It's not my message. Okay, so somebody has done this. And there are genealogists out there who does the um, research to go through the bloodlines. But what I'm basically trying to say is that Nimrod was the first um, leader of the New World Order. He was the poster boy. They're trying to get back to that. It's very hard to get the world to reconnect again, especially when they don't speak the same languages like they did before. And we certainly aren't connected like we were before. But I mentioned in the previous segment how they are trying to get us all back together. It's the only way. The whole point is for Satan to, his mind is to be like God. The same mindset that he gives all of his um, people who he leads astray from God. There's too many people walking around here with the God complex these days. That's Satan. You know, like none of you have the power to, tear, to, to, to change a hair on your head from white from black. And even if you are practicing the occult and you're trying to stray back to Yeshua, you should know. And, and you do know because you're here now, if you're listening to me, that uh, any power that you did have did not come from the Most High God. It came from Satan. And you know that it came with tricks and things that uh, wasn't right. It may be your life upside down. Yeah. You know, and that's, a, that's just the truth of it. So then it says, um, oh, dark, dark shadows. So see, it says right here, it says, um, the Collins family, there was a soap opera called The Dark Shadows. And that was about them. And um, I guess he was a vampire, but I, again, Johnny Depp did a, a, a movie about him as well. I can't remember what it was called. Maybe it was called Dark Shadows, too. I'm not sure. They said the um, symbol of the memories include the bees. That's why when you see these celebrities sometimes with the MK Ultra, they have the, um, the monarch. Uh, you can see the monarch butterfly on them. Then they said Solomon's Temple, King Arthur, and the Grail Legends, um, they all believe that they have some kind of divine holy blood from the house of David, which is why I say it's very dangerous. These things could be lies. That's the thing, because Satan is such a liar. You understand? And you got to understand that if they keep saying this, if you keep saying something, you keep repeating it. It's like Queen Latifah or something. Like She's obviously not like real royalty, but she says it enough, or that's her title. We're going to call her that. 
So if people keep saying I'm from the tribe of Dan or we and they, they intermarried with um, Native Americans and all this and they got the, you know, people probably going to believe that. So now if it's already written history for some time that that's what they said and then when they produce the Antichrist and they produce it from this bloodline and look, they also say things like um, on page 370 of the book, it says the bloodline believes it has divine blood and it's from the house of David. Which is what is prophesied about the Antichrist. I mean, about the Christ. So when the under, when the Antichrist comes, he's going to model after the Christ or try to um, copy the Christ, which is why it's dangerous. Because so now you're going to be saying things like, "I'm from the house of David," which people will be like, "Oh my God, the, the, you know the Messiah is from me from the house of David. This is his second coming." You know, not understanding. This is why it's important to know and try to read the signs as best as you can. You know what I'm saying? We still have time. I trust we still that we still have time. But at the same time, you know, you don't want to get caught up and also. Many of us have, uh, well, I don't have children, but you know, you have gen some of you have generations of children that's still going to be here. So you really want to get ready as best you can if you, if you know, if your children will listen or your family will listen to get prepared. So it says also on page 370 that the 13th Illuminati bloodline is where the Antichrist will come from. This bloodline believes that it has both the holy blood of Jesus and the blood or seed of Satan in its bloodline says the Rothschilds are part of a lineage brought together to create the Antichrist. Okay. <clears throat> That's what it says here. So. And then they started talking about, um, okay, so look, it says, okay, so the bloodline, right? Remember I told you about the bastard children before. So they used Edward the seventh or the, I should say the, the sixth. No. Yeah, the sixth. Right, and they said that he had set he had um intercourse with over seven thousand women because you have to remember they have a lot of um ritual sex, right? So if you remember the movie Eyes Wide Shut by I believe it was Stanley Kubrick, I'm not sure, but whoever directed it just know that as soon as as shortly after they died, that was their last film because they had exposed a little bit too much, and what they showed us at the end was actually like. A revised copy after the uh, people on top have seen it and said, uh uh, you can't show this and you can't show this and you can't show that. But you have Tom Cruise and you have Nicole Kidman, I think, who was married at the time, but they were trying to show you. And just know that Tom Cruise in the movie was just a doctor, you know, and he was just fascinated because he wanted to go to one of these parties to see because that's the only way that you could climb and they would go. So you got to remember. And then, if, and then, like, they, they hint at these things because you got to remember people on top, if you're a movie director, you, you're able to, like, um, shoot something and control because you gotta remember whatever a cameraman can do he can shoot that and beam that into tv to show it to millions of people so we could get programmed and they could spread the propaganda so of course they may be selective of who and who can film and cannot film but you gotta remember a lot of these people are uh directors are very 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 uh talented and i'm sure they get a lot of their Ideas trying to one simply tell us something that they already know, but just that's why I say is it is it art imitating life or life imitating art? You know you don't really know, but again eyes wide shut. I just feel like um, I was telling us something, and then in the movie Scream, if you follow the trilogy or or whatever, I think there was even a four. You remember that Sydney's mother wanted to be an actress in Hollywood and she went to a mansion party and that's how she I think supposedly got pregnant with Sydney. Oh no, she got pregnant with her brother who ended up coming back to kill her. So you have to say that mansion parties is a way of is a way of life, you know. 
Satan is going to get down with the get, the get down. And in the industry, when you're climbing up, that's why LGBT is so rampant now. Because when you're going up there, somebody up there, elite, had to be able to relate to it. It's the time you couldn't even get this to be passed. But like I said, they've infiltrated. Somebody up there had to be able to relate to it to say, let's pass it. And now they're going on with the rainbow, which is the covenant that Noah had, uh, Abraham had, I mean, God had with Noah, excuse me, concerning that he would never flood the earth again, you know what I'm saying? And so for Nimrod to do the new world order, because he was mad at God flooding earth and because he said he wanted to try to avenge that God would never flood the earth again, it was very ignorant because he said he would never, that was just somebody who didn't trust God, that's why his name means rebel. So because he had um, over 7,000 um, women, it said that here that there, are, that there are branches of family that basically um, are numerous secret offspring of this evil but satanic sacred bloodline. On page 371, it says the, there are easily more secret offspring than legitimate. Then it said, an example of this is the British King Edward the the seventh. Is that Edward the seventh was a compulsive adulterer, his entire life, what today would be called a sex addict, sleeping with up to seven thousand women, many of them wives of his friends and courtiers. Because what would he care about morals? They're Satanists. Okay, children get produced from these things. As a matter of fact, do you know that it's, that it's said that um, Barbara Bush's father is Alistair Crawley? That Barbara Bush was a product of um, one of his sexual rituals because he used to have extensive... They said he was one of the most evil men. If you want Alistair Crawley, they actually say that the character of Fester Adams on the Adams family is supposed to be in honor of Alistair Crawley. But he's supposed to be one like regarded as the most evil man of all time. But he held one of the most, like women would get naked and they would be there and there would be like an energy, a negative energy that come through. They would start cutting themselves and there would be these orgies because sex and rituals and sex rituals was a big part of it. And they said that Barbara Bush was a product of um, one of those sex orgies, one of those women that was at a sex orgy. So women, I mean, the fact that they're saying this to me is absolutely true. You know what I'm saying? And they always keep them written in the book it's very much like i remember the movie i want to say queen it was depicting alex Haley's like a great grandmother but if you remember when the babies were born even the master who had raped or maybe it was consensual because there were some you know low-key romances going on supposedly like queen <laughs> you know and her mother and the master they supposedly they had like a low-key romance and then there was some of it it was just rape but when that child was born to a Negro slave woman, especially if it was whether it was colored or not, the master had to write down in a book. You know, so if master had more genealogy or whatever or knowing of who it was. So it would make sense that even if the master knew, because masters would do that also because they didn't want to have to buy slaves that they knew they could make themselves. Why well, buy slaves when you could just breed them out yourself? So they would write it down in a book, you know. Um... So you would know, like, I guess, you know, you have a descendant somewhere. That's just what, what comes with the territory, especially in those days when there wasn't condoms like that. Okay, so now it says uh, here that um, within, the, uh, within the rituals, they emphasize that the 13th bloodline is the seed of Satan. 
And remember, I told you in um, Genesis that he's going to have a seed and she's going to have a seed. And it says, as their secret story goes, they are the descendants of Yeshua's spiritual brother, Lucifer. Both the Freeman family and the Rothschild family have members who are also in the 13th bloodline. I'm just trying to make sure I give you all just some stuff that'll whet your appetite and see where we're coming from with all this. It's also said here um, that the all-seeing eye can be found in ancient buildings of Chaldea, Ur of the Chaldees, Ur Kazdim, Mesopotamia, Shinar, aka Babylon. Um, in ancient Greece and in part of ancient Egypt as well, the all-seeing eye represents Osiris. Osiris had uh, revelries like Saturnalius, which we talked about in the Holiday Lies episode, which is Christmas. And then they did the false satanic trinity of Osiris, Iris, and Horus in Egypt, trying to model after uh, the Messiah. And then again, more about um, the tribe of Dan. Let's see what else. So it says, what is the Illuminati? The Illuminati are basically are powerful elite bloodlines, which are generational Satanists, generational Satanists, just like on the other side of the of the um, tale of two cities or the tale of two bloodlines, you have generational holy righteous men. Okay, so on the other side, you have generals. It really makes sense when you think about it. Okay, even if you didn't want to believe it, if you just listen to it, it's just it just is what's going on. It's almost like they need one another for a story to make sense. Like I said, you can't have one without the other. For it to, it, to me, it's like the greatest story that's ever been told. That's why they like the Bible is like the greatest book that's ever been written. And I totally agree. Nothing compares to it. Okay. What else before I get up out of here? Oh, all right. So occult marriages um, at Windsor Palace now is mentioned here on page 374. It says when Prince Charles married Lady Diana Spencer... Um, Illuminati covens and other witchcraft covens in many countries knew that it was a very important occult marriage. That's why I said there's been a lot of occult marriages and they're going, they're having babies. It really could be that this is the generation who knows, you know, because they certainly are the ones. Um, I said the marriage was observed with great interest by these covens. They said Prince Charles married a commoner, Lady Diana Spencer. Her ancestry was not so common, though. Then it says, who are some of Princess Di's ancestors and kinsmen? They include the following persons. And they list um, the Astors, which is on the list of the, of the 13. The Bundys are on the list of the 13. Uh, Rockefellers and Roosevelt and Teddy and a few of other people and some from the Merovingian as well. So pretty much she was perfect. And if you listen to a lot of her interviews, you will hear that she said that she felt like she was just used as like a breeding chamber. And that after William was born, that he really didn't care for her. It's amazing now how the woman that he always wanted to be with was Camilla. And if you hear the story of Diana, you'll hear that they actually tried to set him up with her older sister, but she was repulsed by him and very mean to him. And Diana felt bad. And so eventually, why would you, why would you? allow the boy I mean it's morally it doesn't make sense why would you date one sister and go to another sister but if you're thinking about genetics yeah it would make sense because it's still of that bloodline she was ripened so at the end of the day after all was said and done it's like yeah you can have Camilla now but as far as breeding with Camilla and I'm sure Camilla may have some royalty backgrounds as well 
uh, it wasn't enough as far as being like we said it has to go all the way back to be some kind of uh, you know something special here so then they said they didn't find any blood times with Diana and the Lee Chinese family but they said she was not supposed to have married Dodie because remember when she died she was pregnant with his child they said if anything that she was supposed to remarry a Rockefeller um and she had a choice between Rockefeller, JFK Jr. or Bill Clinton. But she was supposed to probably remarry again with someone with a prominent bloodline in America. That's what was supposed to happen next. Remember, things are, times are meant to change to solidify the ties between the British monarchy and America. She was not supposed to marry Dodie, you know. And they said, this says it right here. It says, who reportedly had got her pregnant prior to her death. Her car accident occurred at the at an important marriage ritual site. I think it's called the Ponte Alma. Like my mom and I went there about a year or so after, and I remember that the tour bus went through the tunnel. It was very very silent, very like you know. And if you you know, we all know something really funny happened there. They tried to play the paparazzi out like they did it, but it that they didn't. And then Stalin and the Queen. We know that he said that the Queen manifested himself to her. So you could look that up. I don't want to really take too much more time. Then when you're talking about Dracula legends, it turns out that it's real because Prince Charles is of the bloodline of Dracula and Vlad the Impaler and the Countess. Um, yeah, I mean, literally. And also, there was a story that came out that said that um, the Queen Mother doesn't allow them to eat garlic around her in the house at the dinners and she doesn't like garlic in the food now if they go out and they want to eat out and they want to have garlic then fine but not with her so what's up with that you know i'm just trying to get through some of this stuff because like i said you can't cover a lot everything and look how long this episode is already uh page 389 says that joseph smith was an outstanding and cab um outstanding had an outstanding outstanding talent in kabbalahistic wizardry Justice Smith was a wizard. Was a wizard, and set out to restore the priesthood of Israel. You have nothing to do with Israel. Kabbalah is witchcraft. Holy blood, holy grail claims come from Joseph Smith. Mormonism period is witchcraft. Look it up. I'm trying to see what else I got here for you. I think that's it, family. We're out of here. We're out of here. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you all. Seriously, if you're listening to me, I appreciate so much support. Trying to get to the truth. Trying to get people to understand the Most High God is the only, um, is the only love and truth. Not true. Not love and truth in this world. And for some of us, the only love. Let's just be honest. You know, I really hope that I'm helping somebody or at least provoking. Some thought, curiosity, fascination, wonder about the Most High God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I hope that it helps people to go more on a study or a search. If you feel that this episode might help somebody, please feel free to share. If you want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at who's on the Lord's side at the prisoner. No, no, who's on the Lord's side at reborn.com. You can hit me on the gram at the prisoner of the Lord. Hit me, uh, if you have the email link, it'll open right up on your phone and you can just send me an email right from there. I'm looking forward to another episode with you all. Um, but one of the best things I've decided to do, you know, always love the word of God, always had a fire burning within me. And all honesty, if it was up to me, I could talk about the word of God all day. That's why people in my life don't like me. <laughs> 
but I can't thank you enough. Finally found, you know, I guess you could say my people, my home, you know, who that I finally found that who's on the Lord's side. And that means so much to me. So uh, this is the 30th episode. Thank you, God. I think you don't even know. I didn't even know I would have made it this far or talk so much or that the drive would have been so strong. But I uh, can't do it without you. We can't do it without him. On that note, stay blessed. And I'll see you here next time on Who's on the Lord's Side.